0: Meet Gaylord Fokker, a very underrated Cohen Brothers movie and terrible terrible remix this week on
1: 302010 30 2010 30 Three decades every show sometimes associated videos 30 2010 30 20, 10, Surprises and excitement yes we're going to the 90s and 2000s and 2010s on 30 20,
0: Welcome, everyone, to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back across three decades of anniversaries from 30, 20, and 10 years ago to this week. This week, we are sitting in October 2nd through the 8th, and we will be discussing all the fantastic movies, television, music, video games, and more that came out between October 2nd and the 8th in 1990, 2000 and 2010. You get to relive three different decades of your life, so please join us for that. Thank you very much for listening. I'm one of your hosts, Gazantizda.
2: And I'm Diana Goodman. And I can't die out in the woods like, like an animal. Dumb, like, a like, animal. like a dumb animal.
0: What are you doing, die? You don't bump guys.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hate to talk about, like... I don't know. Talk out a turn about what's coming up in this episode, mm-hmm. but it is front loaded.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh man, ninety and two thousand. Yeah. There's a
0: lot. We have our first movie into the new X rating. Mm-hmm. It's one of the one of the the shows. I,
2: Sarah.
0: Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Say it well, again. We had
2: to cut you off now because we know we're talking about like your favorite TV show ever.
0: Yes, uh, and Sarah's <laughs> the end of one of my favorite TV shows ever, and then there's a TV show I watched. Probably dozens of hours of, and don't remember a single frame of it. And I can't wait to not remember it with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, got to thank uh, our fourth co-host this week, executive producer, the Eric Carlson. Uh, if you'd like to become one of our executive producers, patreoncom slash time is how that happened. Man, you got a you got a big ass show about the original Star Wars. Our latest episode of the Second Star Wars. Out right now, uh, the video games we talk about in the show, we go further in depth with the Video Game Apocalypse guys um, once a month to discuss all the gaming anniversaries, and we are joined once again by the fantabulous Chris Baker, uh, who, who worked in the press at the time, and I, I find that totally twenty years ago he worked in the press, and I find that very fascinating. Um, and also. We talked to a sexpert recently. We got a Heather's commentary up. We've been soft relaunching the Monday Night Movies, and you watch Heather's with us and a bunch of Halloween stuff this year. Uh, Looking forward to it. Sorry, too many plugs. 30 2010. Let's travel back in time three decades, starting with 1990, October 2nd through the 8th. Little bit of news to wade you into the world of (laughs) the year of years, 1990. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, David Hasselhoff has done it. East and West Germany are formally reunited.
2: Yes. Yeah. That was fast. Like, yeah. I mean, the wall came down in November, and you have to figure out how to tie together two very different systems yeah. and take down a border and like have a parliament and laws and shit. They are efficient, them Germans. That is less that's time true. it takes
0: us to transition a single president, let alone merge two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, that is pretty fucking astonishing. But I, I guess that's I guess that's a symbol of how long coming it was and how how much the people wanted it to happen i
2: guess so i just i do always think about the dennis miller joke about that uh east and west germany reuniting is kind of it's kind of like dean martin and jerry lewis getting back together where it's like i never liked their original stuff i don't need to see the new material
0: <laughs> and they clearly hate one another we're talking about them in this week's laser time
2: hey uh, and yet yeah, germany has turned out to be uh fucking awesome yeah no uh, no scares about the reunited germany like They've got diversity. They've got a li- fairly liberal government. They've become like a leader in Europe in a really good way. Yeah.
0: And ha- ha- have politely bowing out of uh, taking America's place as a world leader because, you know, we have some shit that happened in the past. I'm not sure people will like it. Very mature of you, Germany. Very mature. Yep. <laughs> yeah, No,
2: they, they own their shit. They're like, yep, yeah. we done fucked up. We're sorry. We're sorry. And
0: uh, the opposite of the will of the people, <laughs> whether you like it or not, McDonald's, China just got its first McDonald's this week because McDonald's is th- where will they not go? Yeah, where will they they're not ubiquitous. go? Ubiquitous. They are ubiquitous, and if you've done any um, foreign traveling, or for our European listeners, they they kind of cornered the market on coffee and internet stores before Starbucks did. So they're like even more huge throughout the rest of the rest of the world. Mm. Um, I wonder what the I wonder what food they opened with. I should have looked into that, but there was too much crazy news, and I, I even wrote this. I promise this is a real sentence. Saturday Night Live cast member Kevin Nealon takes custody of three monkeys who were abandoned by the Soviet circus.
1: <laughs> Aww, and, yeah! Nice. Like I love
0: Kevin Nealon. He's the he's like kind of my first Weekend Update host for SNL. I'm a big SNL fan, and I, I had no idea until looking back in time. He's been a vegan for thirty years and uh, ardent member of PETA, and ended up adopting these like downtrodden monkeys the Soviet uh, the circus just left behind to starve. Aww. And uh, I have no idea if that minute was uh, there's not enough news on this. I, I left this as the last thing because I didn't want to fall down a giant rabbit hole. But yes, Kevin Nealon adopting monkeys, a- adopting oh. commie monkeys. Uh, <laughs> good for you, <laughs> good for you, Kevin Nealon. Okay, so with all that out of the way, we got to get into the movies of 1990 because man, it, it gets a little crazy here. Basket case two is out. I've never heard of basket case one. Uh, Kev- no. Kevin Can Hendrick and Judy Graff? No, I don't know basket case one, unless it's Green oh. Day.
2: No, uh, it, it's a guy's got uh, his, like, deformed brother, I think, in this basket, who's this, like, creepy puppet <laughs> who kills people. Wow!
0: I feel like a loser. Yeah, it's fun. Um, And, man, here's a... <laughs> I'd like to think of our proud history of, like, not wanting to talk a lot about Mickey Rourke movies. Desperate Hours is out this week. Also starring Shawnee Smith, uh, Elias Kataeus, Kut- am I saying that right? David Morse, Kelly Lynch, uh, Linda Krause, Mimi Rogers, Anthony Hopkins, and Mickey Rourke. Did I read? Mimi yeah. Rogers and, and Tom Cruise were officially divorced this week. So Sarah was oh. clapping her little oh. hands together. Yes.
3: by <laughs> chance. Finally.
0: They, yep. may, yeah, they, so. they may have been divorced earlier, but she confirmed it in an interview this week. Ah. Mm.
2: So this is an odd one because it's a remake of a classic, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, really good from like 54. But it's also one of those. There's like a, a little trickle of films every now and then from Michael Camino. Mm-hmm. who did The Deer Hunter and then Heaven's Gate. Right. And then everyone hated him because he was a dick and it was super expensive. And somehow he pulls together a pretty freaking great cast. Yeah. And, I mean, Anthony Hopkins is going to break big next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But uh, no one likes it because it's a remake that's not good. Mm. That's how these things work. Like, the tension is just not the way that it was. Yeah. And Mickey Rourke is no Humphrey Bogart. So... <laughs> uh, that's, that's fair.
0: Yeah. Wow, was that ever in question? Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, but we have a we have a redemptive story later on in the podcast for a director. Uh, mm-hmm. This is more fascinating than it is great to watch. Uh, a notorious movie. I, I forgot Kevin Spacey was even in it. <laughs> so for a lot of reasons, Richard E. Grant, Uma Thurman, Maria de Medeiros, and Fred Ward in Henry and June. Before his novels shocked the world,
1: before her diaries inspired a generation, they lived an adventure
0: more erotic than any fantasy. Annis, meet my wife Jill. Henry and June, just hearing on Fontaine have to promote the eroticism of a film.
3: I mean,
1: it's this
0: been is giving me
3: major Rochelle Rochelle vibes. <laughs> One girl's journey from Milan to Minsk. <laughs> a <romantic> journey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and I don't know. I was even talking to our, our sexpert friend about Sarah and I. As I've always threatened to do, a shows about eroticism movies yes. because I think mm-hmm. you know once the internet came along, people kind of got their jollies in other ways. But move, there there was a genre of movies built out there to artfully titillate yourself, mm-hmm. and it, it's both admirable and sad that Henry and June exist. <laughs> <laughs> it, it It's such it's such a silly thing to want to put on screen or to feel like is necessary to put on screen but it also is by all accounts you know artfully done yeah and, and respectable yeah. as a film
2: what's, what's the story i didn't so, really get it from the trailer right so the main character of henry and june is not neither henry nor june but uh maria de medeiros who mm. people probably remember from pulp fiction as bruce willis's girlfriend uh-huh uh uh-huh. um she loves, she, plays, mm-hmm. she loves the pot belly. She uh, loves the pot belly. She plays Anaïs Nin, who, oh, a, you know, yes, very very famous writer of like female, gen- female erotica. I guess yeah. you could
3: say. So yeah. I'd say the most famous author of female erotica,
2: right? You know, a, about women and women's points right. of view, exactly. And uh, she had an affair with Henry Miller. Uh, while he was writing Tropic of Cancer and Ah. was also sort of obsessed, attracted to his wife, June. And so really it's about her relationship with Henry and June. Mm -hmm. June is played by Uma Thurman, who's kind of barely in the movie. And this is like my number one problem with it. It's like, this is a movie that's about like not understanding why you're obsessed with someone and attraction and raw emotion. And like, there isn't much.
1: Mm.
2: Well, Uma Thurman is
3: like very young at this point right yeah I mean, she's like 20
2: yeah um but... and i never quite get why they're so obsessed with her she just seems kind of like a flighty semi-con woman with a, a bad new york accent who maybe is high like except that she looks like you uma thurman like i, I don't i don't get it hmm. but this is our first nc-17 film official
0: there it is Mm-hmm.
2: And I was watching it pretty much with a stopwatch. Like, how long till I see something that's like, boom, that's it. There's your NC 17. That is not R. And the answer is when you go to a whorehouse and two ladies get it on. Yep. Hell yeah.
0: And, and, and that's I even, it. Even that's what did it. They show uh, uh, that piece of Japanese artwork of an octopus going down on a woman. And that is yep. literally cited as like, yep, yeah, can't show that. Can't sh- film a picture, a hundred year old picture. <laughs> Of a I mean, woman a being gone down on, like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I, I, we bitched about this a lot, but it, it it is still kind of infuriating, is it not? That this is this kind of thing is like not suitable, not suitable for people. Yes, yeah. like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And it's it, the whole. It's not even a jerk movie. Trust me, I remember when I first watched it. I tried. It's no, it's it's nothing There's like not
3: that. A lot there. No, I could not find it to stream. Mm-hmm. First of nope. all. So, I don't know how I'm going to be able to watch this because now that I know that's about Anais Nin, I, uh, my interest is certainly peaked. And Henry Miller, who is famously writes sex scenes in a very graphic way <laughs> and yeah. sometimes um, has been criticized for the way that he portrays sex in his novels. So, yeah, yeah I am a, real a curious
2: percent. now. Like, it, it's, it's such a good topic. And I feel like they just, it, they whiff it, man. Damn. It's like, yeah, the idea that there are these, these two authors who both, you know, revolutionized how we write and talk about sex is so controversial and mm. they just seem kind of boring. <laughs> and like every now and then something will happen. You're like, oh, but mostly I'm just sort of bored. I don't get it. Where is the passion? Where is the eroticism? Yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, and
0: I guess look, looking well, <laughs> looking into how, why it was because it like doesn't even seem like anything a studio would greenlight like even yep. then, but it's from Philip Kaufman. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, I saw I saw him speak uh, uh, one of my last things I did in San Francisco. What one of like the, the his his writing history is amazing. He directed my favorite remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the '70s one. Yeah, wrote out, Outlaw Josie Wales, The Wanderers, the right stuff, and Raiders of the Lost Ark.
1: Wow. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, that, so I, I guess that guy has had a little pull, and it's just odd that, like, after the, the right stuff, this is where he wanted to go. and Or the unbearable lightness of being. He also wrote and directed that. Oh,
2: Which well. is
3: arguably sexier than this. Yeah, I was going to – damn, that whew, that is a double feature right there. Mm. Um, That's so funny, though, because, I mean, I think that when you – Many times when you look at historical figures who are really known for being involved with erotically charged or sexual parts of our culture, those the real life people are often like kind of nerdy or kind of dorks. <laughs> like, I mean, like look at Kinsey, like look at, you know, like it's just – and then look at real sex, which showed like real people who were into some really kinky stuff. And was often a very boring show yeah. <laughs> because, like,
0: with very regular people. <laughs> like yes, that yeah. is, that is one regular Dick. I feel great. It's
3: <laughs> just like, I, I kind of love that part. If, if, you know, this is a portrayal that kind of comes off a little bit boring. I don't, I'm sure that wasn't intentional, but I do kind of love that it turned out that way because I think a lot of people may be disappointed by someone that they find to be an erotic idol. You know, if mm-hmm. they actually got to know them, so much the point of eroticism or sexuality is mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the unknown. So it's kind of funny that it like shines a little light on that and it's not quite as erotic as we think it is <laughs> yeah and, oh. I mean, it'd be
2: kind of fun to make a movie about these people and like erotic writers with zero sex in it
0: yeah i, I think yeah. that's that's how they would do it now even if it was like yeah. a fucking netflix series there would be very little sex in it and, yeah. and i
2: think in some ways like it's it's harder it's more fun if this really is just panting and staring and you never get anything graphic and i mean i could in some ways there isn't like Sex in this isn't especially graphic. It's just like, yeah, the the two women getting it on and there's an implied strap on in there that you briefly see yes. being taken off. So that's it. That's all it took to be like, oh, my God, mm. <laughs> you better have a passport and be 21 to see this movie.
0: Maybe, I, it, it, maybe it, it hinged too much on the public's attraction to Remo Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Fred Ward. I know you're a listener. I would never make fun of you.
3: I mean, I I do think that this is probably the first I mean, this came out in theaters though, no? Yes. Even though it had the okay. So yeah, this is probably the first exposure a lot of people ever had to the concept of a strap-on.
0: Could be. Which could be
3: Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty exciting.
0: I'm trying to figure out where I was on strap-ons when I was ten. Oh, so Mm. innocent. No, yeah. no. I was only—I right. was selling used ones. That's—that's. That's,
3: that's a I'm very uncomfortable. With. <laughs> I, don't I, thought
0: like. I turned it around. Do uh, not like? I thought I turned it around, uh, but we can turn it around again because, like, I, uh, Diana, <sighs> Diana has had a. Hard on for, the, for this movie for like I'm, I'm three so, weeks. i stretching. <laughs> I am
2: stretching because so I excited. Been waiting. To, there's only there's two movies in 1990. I've been waiting to talk about. One was Goodfellas. We just talked about it. Yeah. And now I'm getting limbered up because we got my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it it, it 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 it's I enjoyed. I watched it to uh, one and a half times because I enjoyed reseeing this again so much. Because my TV's bigger and it's beautiful, and no one ever talks about it except for Die for the last couple months. And I'm just I'm going to stand back as we talk about uh, J. E. Freeman, John Polito, John Turturro, Albert Finney, Marcia Gay Harden, and and of course uh, Gabriel Byrne in Miller's Crossing. Leo, is he still the boss?
1: The day I back down from a fight, Casper's welcome to the rackets. This town and my place at the table, Casper. Can he muscle in? I'm sick. i have taking a strap from you, Leo. And I'm sick of a high hat! Tom, would he sell out a friend? You shouldn't be confronting Jenny Casper. That's what I've been trying to tell you. I can still trade body blows with any man in this town. Except you, Tom. And Verna. Verna, is she Leo's girl? What is did you tell Leo? I told him you were a tramp and he should dump you. <laughs> I want everybody to be friends. You, me, Leo, the Dane.
0: This is, the Coen brothers make great trailers. I think this is an arguably their best trailer. Maybe that, that mashup sound thing from A Serious Man. I love oh, it. I watch this trailer all the time. I, it's that Carter Burwell music. Um, I know gamers remember it from, that's how Sony introduced The Last Guardian with this this song (laughs) yeah yeah this
2: music's been used a bunch Mm -hmm. uh shawshank redemption all its ads use miller's crossing Mm -hmm. music because it's just so good but so you know melancholy Mm -hmm. so yeah miller's crossing Crossing. i mean it's also it's tough in that ad they have to try to explain this is a gangster movie with a jillion characters Mm -hmm. and they all have different motivations and sometimes they know something that someone else doesn't and that changes their motivation and you better be paying attention don't look at your phone while you watch this movie because every single line every look ends up impacting the plot it is so dense
0: and there's those light touches of like you haven't seen a transfer of power, but all of a sudden the mayor and the police chief show up in a different office before they're mm-hmm. told to leave by a gangster, <laughs> and it's just like yep. holy. I don't know. There's so th- this movie's like I don't. Know, I-, I love that you love it, Diana, because there's something mm. inherently like totally masculine about this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, uh, there's w- one female character, and honestly, sometimes mm-hmm. she feels out of place. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. There's like no uh, women yeah. in it, and it, it is it is all like. Raw fucking machismo, or, or slow like a simmering machismo, if in a more respectable time. Because like none of these guys get their hands dirty, really. Even though, ex-
2: well, <laughs> except on
0: well, Tom. A lot of that.
3: beatings.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: Gabriel bird takes at least like eight beatings. Yeah. he gets his ass kicked like every other scene. <laughs> it's
3: and made so needed to look like ground beef by the end of this movie. And he he turns out just as handsome as ever.
0: He he weirds oh. me out. Um, as well, not weirds me up. I put him in that weird category of like a person who starred in a Coen Brothers movie once. They always reuse people, and that's Mm -hmm. that's another reason why this movie is great because it's like there's so many great spots for incredible character actors who sound like they're born, like who feel like they were born a hundred years ago.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Turturro, John Polito, Steve Buscemi's got a small part.
0: mm -hmm. Francis
2: McDormand shows up in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, very briefly. Uh, John Polito in particular, he's. I think I discovered him on Dream On, and he's in a bunch of other Coen Brothers movies. He's the P.I. in Big Lebowski, and he's killed in The Man Who Wasn't There. But this is a huge role for him that was meant for uh, Nathan Arizona.
2: I thought that was Albert Finney's role.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry, that was Albert Finney's role. No, but it was, yeah, I, the, the cast was all rejumbled because I think he was, he, John Polito usually plays smaller parts in a ton of movies. I believe he's no longer mm-hmm. with us. But this is right. a huge role for him, and I love it. People usually, like, give him the roles, the one, the one scene with a screaming landlord. That's who he usually plays. Yeah. And, and instead, he's this unstable, uh, vulner, emotionally vulnerable gangster. <laughs> and I love, love, love it. You really think so? You think the dane would do that god you're so easily (laughs) manipulated casper it rules
2: oh yeah Mm. so i mean yeah that's the the whole thing is you know gabriel Byrne is the right-hand man of gangster albert finney and the movie starts out exactly like exactly like the godfather with Mm -hmm. someone going to a mobster and asking him to kill somebody for him and it just starts spinning out from there because albert finney doesn't want to kill John Torturo because he's seeing his sister, and then.
0: But he doesn't like, let eh. the he doesn't let the guy asking know that he just says yeah. outright no. He's like, "Why?" And mm-hmm. I'm asking you as a courtesy, and you're telling me no. I'm going yeah. to do this.
2: It's like, no, I told you you're not going to do this mm-hmm. because I'm in charge. And John Polito's like, maybe you're not in charge, mm-hmm. and then a mob war starts, yeah. and everyone be double crossing everybody else. Uh, oh man!
0: I love and I love the, the so light, the so lightness, the lightheartedness of the police corruption and Tom's relationship to uh to the to police chief, who's always put out but just sitting there folding his arms as he does one corrupt <laughs> thing after another. It happened yeah. again, Tom.
3: He feels like he's barely keeping up, like, the audience, basically. (laughs) Because I did watch this distracted. I just had to do other things while I was Mm. watching it. And I commented to Sam because he was kind of there with me. Like, I don't really follow what's going on here, but I'm really enjoying the world. Like, the Mm. world building is really complete Mm -hmm. in this movie. And it really builds, like, an atmosphere and a a culture and a manner of speaking and – I mean, the costuming, everything, like, just builds a world that I really enjoyed being part of, even though I did not know what was going on half the (laughs) time, which is fine. I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. Now I want to go back and really watch it. I also feel like pretty much every actor in this movie we do not talk enough about. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish all these actors, they should be bigger than they are today. Like, John Turturro Mm -hmm. is such a hidden gem in a lot of ways, like... He mm-hmm. should everyone should know his name and I and I don't feel like people enough people know, you know, about I, it,
0: him. It's it's like but you know if you know the Cohen brothers you fucking know John Turturro. Well, yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. And I mean, you, know, you know
0: why Steve Buscemi shows up for almost anything they ask him to do even if it's for 45 seconds.
3: Mhm. <laughs> yep.
0: I, I and I love and what you said about the I was shocked that like for big fans of the film, they are not clear on what year or what location you're in. And mm-hmm. it's and nope. there's a lot of speculation online, like, fun speculation, uh, like, of where they are and what when they are. And I think that's fucking fascinating because I just accept it. Like, it's the 20s were the 30s. I don't know. Hmm. I I don't know exactly. Yeah.
3: I kept thinking wait a minute, is this uh prohibition is happening yeah. cuz there's a lot of being a a bar keeps getting busted, but it doesn't seem like they're getting busted necessarily. Like I don't know what's going on.
1: And, and people even like like
0: even car nuts are like that gun wasn't invented then and that that uh vehicle wasn't out then, so it can't be then. It it has to be And I but it's like also like I don't think the Cohen brothers care that much about those kind of details rather than making huh. look making it look right for what's in their heads which is probably what's more like in our heads of what whatever time period this was and that oh. i th- that it, that i think most people speculate it's new york because you know, there's a lot of big city stuff happening, even though I, yeah, I looked it up before that. because, like, where do they shoot this? Because it doesn't. Oh, my backyard, Louisiana. It's it's
1: mm-hmm. oh, wow. it's
0: in Louisiana. Barry Sonnenfeld was a cinematographer on this. His last gig is a cinematographer. Um, And just they muted the, the tones a little bit. But like, it doesn't look like anywhere <laughs> you can you can possibly name, even though it is technically the brush with in which I live. But it, yeah. it looks it's, completely. No, otherworldly. It's not, it
2: could be St. Louis, mm-hmm. it could be Chicago, it could mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's Louisiana.
0: It, it's it's yeah, all throughout Louisiana um, for the most part. And I, 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 I'm so glad I rewatched this because, like, mm. um, I haven't watched this since uh, DVD. Yeah. I got it on. I, I got it on DVD. This is this this Coen Brothers movie took forever to come out, and to watch it in HD and widescreen just really mm. does it justice.
2: It is it, beautiful. It yeah. is really beautiful. I mm-hmm. think uh, next year, Barry Sonnenfeld directs Adam's family. And oh. that's that's it for him as a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And wow. he is outstanding as a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, what else do I want to talk about? Um, the dialogue that you <laughs> mentioned. There is so much slang in this that just (laughs) sounds made up. And ethnic slurs I have never heard before. Oh Oh my gosh,
3: yes. If you want to maybe, if you talk to your grandparents and you're like, I've never heard that term before. Mm -hmm. It's probably in this movie. And it's like
2: very ambiguous as to who are they. Luckily, usually they're referring to other white people. Oh, it's always other white people. It's either against (laughs) Jews, Italians or Irishmen. That's it. I think There's I, I had it in
0: my notes. as like, is Schmata racist? Even though, like, even if it isn't, Casper is using it racistly. Yeah. And, yeah. and But, yeah, the Schmata. Giving yeah. me the high hat. I can't get enough of Casper. Yeah. Last
2: time we jawed, you gave me the high hat. <laughs> what the fuck kind of sentence is that? But I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's I get it. I get it. And, oh, I have to mention Albert Finney, though, as the mob boss, because, yeah, I love the guy who played Nathan Arizona, and then, yeah, he passed away, but to have someone with real acting heft and, like, screen presence and gravitas, like Albert Finney, this ended up being the movie I went to when he passed away, this and Two for the Road. I couldn't watch Big Fish. It was going to make me cry too much.
0: Road to Perdition? He is
2: so good. He's not in Road to Perdition. Oh, my bad. But he is so good in this, and... The sequence of him ripping through a gang coming to S- kill him
0: single-handedly oh. as an older man, not an old man, annihilating yeah. <laughs> multiple it's people.
2: So good. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of guys coming to his house with guns. They kill his bodyguard. And then he's just sitting in bed, reading the paper, smoking a cigar, listening to Danny Boy, and then he just wait. How many like sick guys? He just lays waste to this whole crew, never breaking a sweat. It's
0: it's a beautiful from the smoke coming up through the floorboards. It's just a, it's one of the most beautiful sequences in the movie.
3: The guy that's in the window that's getting just turned into Swiss cheese that that (laughs) shot goes on for so much longer than you think it's gonna go for. Like it just didn't. Stop. But I mean like
0: Shit was Robocop-esque pure,
3: That's pure <laughs> Coen brothers mm-hmm. Like everything is heightened mm-hmm. In a weird way And that's why I was like Thinking about their films Like they kind of make modern Like fairy tales for grown-ups In yeah. a lot of ways And that's what yeah. made me Think about like How we can't put a real A real time or a real place Like on this movie Because that doesn't really mm-hmm. matter It's it kind of goes across You know Time and place in a way yeah.
2: And this is this is the first of Coen Brothers movie we get to talk about in these set of years, because we got one in 2000 and we got one in 2010, too, wow. that we're going to get to talk about in the next couple months. And they're all period pieces that take place sometime. Yeah. <laughs> one yes. is I guess it's the Depression and one is I guess it's after the Civil War.
0: E- even Big Lebowski for no reason is set yeah. four years before it came out. <laughs> Yeah, just so you can have Saddam in there.
2: (laughs) So, why is this your favorite, Diana? I, I think it's because it's like everything that I expect from the Coen brothers. I mean, there's there's a lot of plot. There's a ton of actors that are all character actors who get a lot to work with. It's really funny, which we Mm -hmm, have not mm -hmm. mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's got some really funny bits. I mean, there's (laughs) a point where this heavy is going to beat up Gabriel Byrne for like the eighth time, and Gabriel Byrne's like oh wait wait just a second I'll, I'll like take off my jacket and then grabs a chair and hits him and he is so offended <laughs> yeah. it like really hurt his feelings that gabriel <laughs> burn would hit him i was just about to beat you up under orders god mike god. star
0: mike star one of my favorite character actors ed wood dumb uh, and dumber yeah. love that dude mike star mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's just got lots of everything also uh, classic film references. Like I said, uh, you know, it opens like the Godfather and it ends like the third man.
0: Mm,
1: wow.
2: It's on purpose. I really feel like it's on purpose. I, yeah. I, I between this and this and Barton Fink, it's a real tough call for me, which is my favorite. And I think it's this one just because there is so much going on. And that,
0: that, the story that, that they encountered writer's block for the first time while writing this movie and took some time off the script and then wrote Barton Fink. Right. It, they wrote the whole damn thing. It's astonishing. that, Like, ah, just can't think about a what lot. to do. I, <laughs>
2: there's a lot going on. It's like three movies oh, worth of plot.
0: And I love that I had a cameo. You get to see Sam Raimi just annihilate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Sam Raimi pops up with a little cameo just to get just totally shot. Uh, it's wonderful.
2: <laughs> All right, is he the guy who's like laughing at the guy who gets shot and he's like twitching?
0: He's the, he's one of the no-name cops who shows up um, right. and gets the shot, shot first.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look his body's twitching. That's really funny. And then oh great, all the Thompsons come out and everyone right. gets killed.
0: I, I can't recommend uh, yeah. this movie enough. It does everything a movie should do well, and I just I just sat in awe, like, we still have the Cohen brothers and critics critics are so used to them being awesome. I feel like their movies get sort of shit on even when they're great. Like, I saw Hail yeah. Caesar. I'm like, yes. why were people so fucking cruel? What's wrong? It's just, you know what the Coen brothers do now, and they just did their thing, and it's fine. I mm-hmm. had a great mm-hmm. time with that movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I mean, they're one of my top five favorite filmmakers mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Easy. Uh, put them up there with Billy Wilder and Alfred Hitchcock and Martin Scorsese and uh, to be named later. And-, and- I've seen they've done a couple movies I didn't think were good, mm-hmm. but not one of them cruelty. wasted my time.
0: Yeah, I only dislike a tolerable cruelty and I don't really know why.
2: I that one's I, lady. I like that more than most people and lady killers. Mm-hmm. But even Anything those else. have good shit in them, they're not a waste of time. They're not just garbage. I watched Hudsucker
0: Proxy <laughs> last week not knowing this was coming up at all, and it was it's oh. makes for a fantastic double feature to in terms of occupying your mind. It...
3: Damn. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait till we talk about Barton Fink because mm-hmm. I have not, I have a whole story about it. I'm not even going to get into it until we get there because yeah, it's probably one of the first things that you and I talked about, Antista. Really? I remember like when we talked about, when we first started getting to know each other and talk about films. So pretty excited.
0: Uh, yeah. And you can see yeah. a Barton Fink reference in this film. It's, it's very, it's almost Pixar-esque, teasing their next movie. <laughs> 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 this movie's fucking perfect. And, um, yep. I, I think it did very poorly at the box office. Despite... Really, mm-hmm. didn't didn't do very well. And uh, you know, it's also still...
3: put Marsha Gay Harden in more things, please.
0: Yeah, yeah. God, I love her. Um, yeah, I I can't say enough nice things about yeah, this film. It's this it's is, far I mean, away. I think part
2: of the part of the problem is I think this is the follow up to Raising Arizona, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people wanted more of that, and I would love more of that.
0: I but... I absolutely remember. That's not what they're doing. Fargo got them all these Oscar nominations and people were so cruel to Big Lebowski when it came out. I'm like, I wanted more Fargo. I'm like, they've never done that. You never get no. the same movie twice. You. Yep. They might revisit the vibe later on or share a character, mm-hmm. but you don't they don't get they don't do fucking sequels, you mugs. Oh, look at me talking <laughs> talking about like the characters in Miller's Crossing. I, I love this film and I, I can't imagine recommending yes, anything please else. Please watch Miller's this week.
2: Crossing. Uh don't know. I think you're gonna have to online rent it. I didn't see it on streaming services. Yeah.
0: I got it for ten bucks on Amazon. For, to own yeah, yeah, forever.
2: I, I online rented it from uh,
3: from Redbox. But I also love that you talk about how there's so much dialogue in this movie because mm-hmm. that's gonna come up again in two thousand. <laughs> <Uh-oh>.
0: And <laughs> but of course, <laughs> of course, the life isn't fair, and that can't be the number one movie at the box office this week. That that honor goes to Joanna Bacula, Tom Wright. Keith, David, uh, Basil Wallace, and, of course, Steven Seagal, and Marked for Death. They've killed his partner. They've attacked
1: his family. <laughs> you mess with my family, you die. They've made the wrong guy. Very, very angry. One thought he was
0: invincible.
1: The other thought he could fly. They would be
0: is <laughs> <laughs> there's so many slow motion shots of his ponytail moving it's it's I, this is so funny. I've never seen this I might just because it has Keith David in it uh, I'm
3: shocked that you guys have not watched this for masterpiece theater
0: I, I I sadly missed out on a lot of that. I was in a different oh. state mm,
3: uh, yeah.
0: but'm I'm, sh- I'm sure Sam has a very specific opinion on this.
3: He absolutely
2: does.
0: He'll know which one is exactly. It's terrible three-word Steven yeah. Seagal movie it is too.
2: Yeah. Yep. It. That's true. Is it "Marked for Death" or is it "Out for Justice" or is <laughs> it? Yeah. Uh, no, this is the one where he fights a Jamaican gang of drug dealers. Yes. What? Yes. Okay. Whatever. He's a DEA agent, and then he's got to go after some. Uh, they're probably going to throw voodoo at him because racism. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah it's. Uh, and these are the good ones. These are the good Steven Seagal
0: movies. Yeah, this is, the, and it's and also it's his his cute. third to debut at number one. So he's making these like medium budget movies that stick around at, in in theaters for months. So Steven Seagal is on a massive ride. The, the lead character, the lead villain, is named Screwface.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wrong movie. That should have been in *Miller's Crossing*. The Dane. Oh. Uh, Yeah, fuck that. If fuck's Marked for Death. Watch Miller's Crossing. Let's get into some TV with something you'll surely recognize.
1: Punch, punch.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210. Man, Shannon Doherty, Jason Priestley, Jeannie Garth. Ianzering, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Luke Ref- Parry, Ref- Uh, Tori Spelling, yeah. Brian Austin Green. Why do I know so many fucking people in this show? Um, I
2: don't know. Cause you were alive in the nineties.
0: Yeah.
2: So annoying. Cause we just talked about, cause it ran 10 seasons. So we just talked about it ending in like June and here it is again. That's we talked nuts. about it ending in 2000. Now here it is in 1990. And, um, yeah, I still didn't watch it, so I don't have anything useful to say. Same. I I,
0: I, I watched a ton of it. I can tell you most wow. of the characters' names. Uh, we talked okay. about it a li- again. Patrons have access to Heather's commentary. That's the best Shannon Doherty vehicle there is. Hell but- yeah. But, uh, yeah, like this was in a much smaller world, this was in the zeitgeist, and I, I remember, especially at the age where guys are starting to get into the girls, and the girls, especially, are talking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am in the era where Jason Priestley is on a trapper keeper, so it's like, you better brush up on your Beverly Hills than And there was an episode or two there that did something so raucous or jarring that like, I didn't mind giving it an hour of my week every week, but I don't remember any of it, not a single fucking storyline. Other than the cowboy kid shooting himself while twirling a gun. Because
2: um, well, it's a soap opera.
0: Yeah, it is, it is a soap opera. Uh, but, but a flashy new one that looks very expensive with very young people. Mm-hmm. Who clear? Who, I say very young people, they look like they're in their early 30s, but they are very oh. much in high school.
3: <laughs> yes, for sure. And- yeah, I was, I totally missed the boat on Beverly Hills 902.0. I've not seen a single episode of it, but it was one of those shows that like my older cousins were into. So mm. when I would go to their house, they would have all the merchandise, like. <laughs> All the merchandise. I mean, I remember one of my cousins, her room was basically all New Kids on the Block Fuck. and Beverly Hills You're 90210. Right. Like, mm. comforter, like, chest, mirrors, like, everything. And- other
0: than, like, Miami Vice, I don't remember seeing, like, a live-action TV show logo on a T-shirt as much as yeah. I did 90210 during the 90s. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. Heavily merchandise. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing I remember about that.
0: Well, good logo. Yeah. Give it that. And On SNL that week Susan Lucci is the host With musical guest Hot House House Flowers Don Pardo said with a question mark I (laughs) don't know who that is Uh, And then Diana has a discovery
2: Okay (laughs) So thank you to uh, Unofficial 30 2010 researcher J.R. Rawls for finding this for me Because remember last week We had uh, the debut of Cop Rock Mm -hmm. And I said that was like the worst idea For a TV show ever
0: Let's mm-hmm. keep trouble well, out there
2: <laughs> Much like how the US invented rock And Britain perfected it Ooh. Four days after the debut of Cop Rock The UK defeats us in the category Of worst idea for a TV show ever Oh goodness Uh-oh. Chris, I have a link to the opening I'm going to need you to share your your screen first mm-hmm. oh, yes. I, I need Sarah to see this at the same time Okay, I'm prepared, I'm ready Okay I can see all your appointments. honey. Hile,
1: honey. Hile, honey. How honey, how honey, how honey how hello. honey. I'm, I'm home. Hile, honey. honey. How Smile, honey. Because I'm, I'm home. Gee, it's great get to be top gun, go, but, go, but it's not okay. like the fun that <coughs> I get when I say I am home. Oh, my God. Honey. Smile, honey. Gee, it's great to be back. Hile, honey.
0: I'm home. I've heard this in like as like a factoid oh, okay, yeah. or a punchline. I guess I never acknowledged it as a real show.
2: It's- yeah, because it looks like uh, something from 30 Rock that's made up. Yeah. But no, yes. Heil Honey, I'm Home, a sitcom about Hitler and Ava Braun living next door to a wacky Jewish couple, did exist. It debuted in 1990. Wow. It went one episode till the outcry was so extreme. They're like, we're never talking about this ever again. Who
3: said yes? Did they have cocaine over there in England? In- <laughs> is that why this happened? Because
2: you know my answer is usually cocaine. Wow. I'm going to assume yes, they did have cocaine. <laughs> this was the responsibility of British satellite broadcasting, now part of B Sky B. Um, Yeah. I mean, I. In a weird way, I understand what they're doing. Like, I think they're going with the Mel Brooks rule of, like, you should ridicule things that are, you know, evil and take the power from them. Mm-hmm. But to make Adolf Hitler, you know, a wacky neighbor in a silly, you know, I love Lucy style sitcom. That's not taking the power away. That's no. Um, no, wow.
0: no. And there's, there's only one episode of this.
2: There's only one. I think they filmed more only one aired. Did any of the actors ever be able to go on to do anything? None after of them that? have cl-
0: none of them have clickable <laughs> links on Wikipedia.
3: Or did they all just go on to be like green grocers <laughs> and like live in anonymity? Ah. Uh,
0: wow, this is I
3: just, don't.
0: Know. I ha- I have heard of this, but I always like, yeah, that probably didn't. I don't know. Like I now I want to watch this whole fucking thing. Uh,
2: uh i did it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> and not just like oh it's offensive like oh it's just not very funny it's about oh a neighbor neville chamberlain's coming over to sign an accord but oh the wacky jewish neighbors keep trying to set him up with their daughter and it's like what is happening <laughs>
0: wow <sighs> and 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 in like a that's my bush kind of way because that's that's the vibes yes. i'm getting yes that's yes, absolutely exactly. the
2: vibe mm-hmm. exactly Yes, but this was, thank God for the internet, because this is one of those things, like, you hear about, and, like, even, I remember in the early days of the internet, hearing about this, and not being able to find any information, like, Britain did not have a Hitler sitcom, what are you talking about? And then, oh no, no, you watch the whole thing on YouTube now.
0: Yeah, because, because you, Tape Traders was, like, the only way to fucking get this, and I remember magazines would have, like, a screenshot of a screenshot, kind of like, no, this exists, you just can't find it anywhere, and- Shit, there might be even more episodes than this. We don't even know that. I am I am shocked. Somewhere, but I really I I want people to mark on whatever scorecards they have for thirty twenty ten that this is the second podcast in a row I've mentioned that's my bush when the show neither premiered or ended in any of these years. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm tired of being the one to always bring it up. So let's move on real quickly to video games because this is released sometime in 1990, but it's a very big video game franchise. Sid Meier's Railroad Tycoon. should should be able to guess exactly what kind of gameplay you're in for. Railroad Tycoon. Music of 1990, uh, October 2nd to the 8th. Let's get into some new releases. We got uh, Room to Roam by the Waterboys. Third Eye by Red Cross. Passion and Warfare by uh, Steve Vai. Self-titled by The Laws. I believe they they do the There She Goes song. Yep, (laughs) that's on there. um, No Prayer for the Dying by Iron Maiden. New Inside by Tiffany. Wrong Way Up by Brian Eno and John Cale. And then... Conmigo by Selena. We're going to close out this little segment with Close to You by Maxi Priest because it's number one this week, but stay right there. We got a lot to talk about in 2000. Coming into 2000 with Minority by Green Day off of Warning, which was uh, hurt by leaking onto Napster three weeks before it debuted in record stores. There is no iTunes yet. Uh, So Green Day welcomes us to 2000, but we have some other new uh, music releases. I, I guarantee this is infuriatingly high on the record charts. If I could tell you by Yanni, <laughs> uh, the mystical. yeah, the last of a dying breed by Scarface, a sibling rivalry by the Doobie Brothers, their first album in nine years, Soul Caddy by the wonderfully named Cherry Pop and Daddies, who I believe 100%. recently won a Laser Time contest for worst band name, undisputably. Yeah. I mean, Golden Earring is up there, but Cherry Pop and Daddies, yeah. yick. Uh, You're the one by Paul Simon and Radiohead's Kid. A, uh, which, is on the, <laughs> which is on the uh, Rolling Stones' top 500 albums of all time list. Kid yep, a, baby. A,
2: a divisive album, because this is their follow-up to OK Computer, which mm-hmm. is a fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And this one's, uh, some of those songs are a little harder to identify as, like, songs. <laughs> it's still interesting to listen to, but it's... More challenging. I think not, I, I remember, not my favorite.
0: I remember no. seeing them perform live on SNL, and Tom York was playing what I would only look to me like how they transferred a phone call in Lassie, and it, <laughs> and, and it was like it was like seven feet tall, and it was just like, oh man, you guys have really made it. You can do whatever you want. Good for you. But music by Madonna is still number one. There's Ooh. plenty to celebrate out there, yeah. music-wise, in the year 2000, October 2nd through the 8th. A uh, little bit of news to just. Well, if you want some reassurance that it's 2000, Carson Daly and Tara Reid announced their engagement, although it was not meant to be and would dissolve up to nine months later. Oh. That was uh, I feel I felt kind of bad for both of them at that point. Uh, they that, that was one of those things. I, I remember Carson Daly like, why do people keep asking me about this? Can you just leave my relationship alone? And because uh, he was on MTV every day, whereas Tara Reid was a movie star briefly. Slobodan Milosevic is overthrown in Yugoslavia after election fuckery. Um he took (sighs) and he took power in nineteen ninety one. Who saved them? Uh he took power in nineteen ninety one. In two thousand one he's arrested and sent to The Hague and dies in prison in uh two thousand six.
2: Yeah for fucking crimes against humanity. Mm -hmm. Every now and then we get one of these right. Every now and then there is a dictator who actually has to pay a little bit for what he did. Yeah. Doesn't get to die in his bed at ninety in Dubai, surrounded by gold and beautiful women. Yes. <laughs> Gets to die in prison in the Netherlands.
0: Mm. <laughs> Which is probably Which better. Probably than- isn't yeah. That bad, it's probably honestly. it's better than most <laughs> yeah. of the people living in Orlando right now.
2: It's uh, definitely better than most prisons, probably in the United States. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. We should the Hague should send everyone to Angola prison in Louisiana. Sure. That'd fucking teach them. Yeah, but they uh. have a rodeo. Oh, That's true. <laughs> I want to see Slobodan Milosevic on a fucking, bro- fucking yes. Bronco. Oh, that would have been great.
0: Was that eight seconds? Um, all right. <laughs> did, did, movies of 2000, October 2nd to the 8th. Uh, Digimon the movie is out. And yeah, sorry, younger listeners. We're all a little too old to give a shit. And my, my what I was teasing earlier, redemptive movie, Joel Schumacher's Tigerland. He sort of yeah. comes off of the fucking Batman movies with a little bit of stink on him, and makes this really gritty. It's kind of my introduction to Colin Farrell, and my definitely my introduction to Clifton Collins Jr. He's great in this, hey. and uh, yeah, I really liked it. It's a Vietnam movie about soldiers training to go to Vietnam, shot in set in Louisiana, shot in Florida. But Colin right. Farrell is a person who objects. He objects to the war and devotes all of his time to finding loopholes to get his everyone he comes across out of the army
2: (laughs) yeah i've i've seen a lot of people saying this is actually joel schumacher's best movie like it's the best made it's the most interesting it's got good performances but it doesn't quite have that schumachery vibe of something like um Batman. <laughs> well, Batman but Flatliners. I think we we talked about Flatliners and right. we agreed like that's kind of the most Joel Schumachery that Joel Schumacher gets or Lost Boys like yeah one of those. I think yeah. The, yeah. the only thing
0: to its discredited it's very not Joel Schumacher. It's yeah. it seems to be a lot of digital camera work and like very rough and tumble and has a great indie vibe and uh, I think totally worth watching if you can track it down. Uh, I remember feeling the same way I haven't watched this recently but Michelle Rodriguez's Girl Fight. Yeah. Was that yeah was that her introduction basically or breakthrough <clears throat> role first time
2: I heard of her oh totally okay yeah kind so. of the same way where it's like yeah Colin Farrell people are like, hey, who's that guy out of mm-hmm. Tigerland you know the indie folks who know see Michelle Rodriguez in Girl Fight, which is a solid movie mm-hmm. just I mean straightforward she's a girl she wants to box and it's about her you know in this man 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 man's world being a fighter mm-hmm. and she's she's perfect in it. I can't imagine anyone else being in a movie it's just Hillary Swank it's just a solid watch
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: no not even Hillary Swank
0: uh, and I gotta say this is one of these movies I feel guilty about watching because I've heard some of the most rave reviews about it and it just doesn't seem like it's for me Peter Stormare David Morse Catherine Deneuve and uh, Bjork in Dancer in the Dark
1: why did you kill him? he asked me to (laughs) I just
0: yeah dance in the dark baby um
2: oh boy hmm. yeah so i tweeted this and it was not a joke when i said i watched the first presidential debate and i was so depressed i had to go watch dancer in the dark to cheer up
1: <laughs>
2: Woo, doggy. and fans of lars von trier knows that's the darkest joke i've ever fucking made because <laughs> he makes some really really dark ass movies and this is a, no exception um even though it's a musical
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the bjork yeah. soundtrack
2: yeah mm-hmm. cause it's about uh bjork who is has failing eyesight and uh her son also has failing eyesight and she's saving up every single penny so she can get him this operation and uh bad things happen with her bad neighbor david Morse. there he is again mm-hmm. and um Yeah, every now and then there's sort of like little almost dream sequences where it becomes a musical. And um, mostly, yeah, it's just sort of a punishing, punishing experience because Lars von Trier hates you and he wants you to suffer for art. I I feel like I'm okay living the rest
3: of my life and never seeing a Lars von Trier or another Michael Haneke film ever. I
0: think that's completely fair. I don't feel that way, but that is how I conduct myself. Yeah. Like I, I jumped into a couple of those things and like that's. That's enough. I, I, yeah. And I have something I get very it. <laughs> similar to say in the next segment as well. And... Yeah.
2: like And it's tough it's, because like, it won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. and There was some controversy about that. Um, I don't even know if I want to recommend it. Not even just like if you really want to uh, despair about humanity. Just because even the musical sequences just didn't quite do it for me. Like it's shot on digital video, which in 2000 can not translate well now. Mm. Yeah. And the editing around the music scenes just, I don't know why I just, it's supposed to be because she loves musicals, classical Hollywood musicals, but the musical numbers aren't shot that way, or even in a way to like imply that they're shot jittery and the editing is super crazy fast. And so it's like, I, I mean, if the point is so that it's like a, a bad version of a classic Hollywood musical, if like there's a better way to do that. I, Bjork is really good. And the fact that she hasn't really acted besides this is kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: but I don't, it's not a lot of other parts she could play. I can't see her as like a hard charging lawyer.
3: Is this, did this movie
2: though, give us the swan dress? It did. So there's a good thing that came out of it. <laughs> yeah. And like the only movie where Peter Stormare plays like a good guy. <laughs> mm. Does David Morse ever play a good guy, by the way? That dude is
3: vaguely threatening in pretty much everything he does. Yeah, he he yeah. is. he is Contact.
0: He, contact and uh, Green yes. Mile and, and, you know, the horrible Tin Man. But he, he does give off, like, th- that, David Morse does look like your local rapist.
3: <laughs> yeah, he gives
0: off <laughs> an
3: air of quiet menace. Yes,
0: there. Yeah. W- way more elegant way than the slanderous thing I just said. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh yeah. Uh so not even my favorite punishing Lars von Trier movie, but still interesting.
0: And finally if you're and, into
2: that kind of thing? You know what I'm not into? What's that to Remaking classics. There we
0: go. And that's
2: Remaking uh, good classics. Find shitty classics and remake those.
0: I love the original Michael Caine, Get Carter. It is one of the coolest fucking movies I've ever seen. Yes. Uh Sylvester Stallone's 2000 remake also starring Miranda Richardson Rachel Lee Cook Alan Cumming Mickey Rourke John C. McGinley And also my cocaine. I fucking my hated cocaine. it I fucking hate it uh, Get Carter ladies and gentlemen
1: His brother was murdered I think he was taken out Taken out None of this is your fault And Jack Carter Everything changes Why not me? Is going to make things right You don't fix things Jack You break things All of a sudden you care You're a bad brother remember I know who I am just alone. My name is Jack Carter, and you don't want to know me. Get Carter Rated R. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I, all I can think is to, re- to recommend the remake. I saw this first and thought I would never be interested in the remake, and the remake is phenomenal.
2: You
0: mean the original? Sorry, the original is phenomenal. It's so good. And, like, and just that yeah. perfect... All the, the, the gritty violence that Quentin Tarantino is inspired by is like almost solely contained in the original 1971 Get Carter. It is yeah. it is so blunt and gross <laughs> and some of the most vicious <laughs> use of a shotgun held by Michael Caine you've ever seen in your life. And
2: Yeah, well, that's so much of, you know, what makes the 71 film interesting is that Michael Caine's not that imposing of a yeah. person. Mm-hmm. And to have him just suddenly lash out with this incredible violence, you're mm. like, whoa. But... Stallone is a, I mean, he's not tall, but he's pr- still pretty built mm-hmm. in yes. Like he is a physically muscular person. That yes, it looks like he works for the mob. It looks like he can hurt you. So that's yeah. not.
0: And, and in, st- uh, in stark contrast, this is like a fucking Hollywood flashy movie, and like some of the coolest scenes in Get Carter are like this is just a bunch of dudes getting shot in broad daylight and a sustained shot on the fucking beach. Like, where do the location here is completely different. There's no grittiness to it at all. It is mm-hmm. overly produced and flashy, and
3: and boring. It, 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 yeah. yeah, it is boring.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it,
3: also, John C. McGinley is what sexy. I just can't with him in any context beyond Scrubs. Honestly. Uh,
0: okay. Oh, you got to watch it. You got to love him in Point Break. He coined the term "young, dumb, full of cum." Oh well. <laughs> uh, he
3: does okay, he did give us some gifts then, that's he true. He
0: did and I'm I'm re- I'm watching him in Stand Against Evil right now. Uh he's <laughs> fun that show. Uh and the the thing yeah, I
2: the only thing that makes me happy is just lost a ton of money. <laughs>
0: I wish I wish yeah. there was some place we could put that pull quote for the movie. <laughs> uh, um, and I can't wait to see what you guys think about the next movie, because I huh. revisited it um, just last night. Owen Wilson, oh, wow, by wow, Danner, uh, Terry Polo, and Ben Stiller, and Robert De Niro, and Meet the Parents. Falling in love with Pam was easy. Meeting her father... Be nice to this one. Okay, I'll try. ...was the hard part. Now, have you ever watched pornographic videos? No. <laughs> No picking. Meet the Parents. Rated PG-13. Starts October 6th. Mm. Yes. Uh, meet the Parents. Uh, I don't know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. It, it's fine. It was fine. I I did not want to revisit this movie because, yeah. you know, I saw it when it came out. I think I probably saw it a couple times in various social contexts. And then. I get really anxious with movies where just everything goes wrong for the main character. Some (laughs) through, like, his own fault, and then some through just, like, you know, shitty people around him that he just can't extricate himself for. And this movie kind of gives me a bunch of anxiety because of that.
0: It it gives (laughs) me a bunch of, like, just feeling so dated in, like, its utter whiteness and like i don't care about any of your fucking problems <laughs> like even slightly i hate ethically i hate your job and who you are i don't know who to root for in this not the nurse but like uh, i i well i bought this and watched this numerous times and i it, it, i was pretty mad about it because i grew up a giant ben stiller fan mm-hmm. and he this is sort of him becoming a movie star and a giant robert de niro fan and it's a very it, it's it's a movie if you're a fan of both those people i'm like ah oh, really they had to get famous for this one <laughs> but but Robert Nears like I think he didn't do a lot of comedies until this. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of yeah. pretty good in this. Midnight Run, he'll never surpass anything he's he's done um. Not well even you had better. to
3: analyze this and that too. Oh yeah, that's right? true, it's
0: true. But like he is primarily seen by me in comedies now. Like mm-hmm. he's oh yeah. But he didn't oh, God, do right. comedies for like thirty fucking years. <laughs> And uh, this this was such a huge success. A, it was, obviously, it spawned a trilogy of movies. Most comedies do not get a trilogy. It, but the, the, the thing that's semi-relatable about it is the nervousness of meeting your girlfriend. But I just couldn't, like, a character... I just met my girlfriend's parents. Um, like, ah, your dad has a lot of He-Man tattoos. Couldn't be further from the world of <laughs> Vince Stiller. And, 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 and Robert De Niro and my parents aren't conservative cranks and like none of your parents are. And it just seems like it seemed much more old timey than I was expecting.
3: Yeah. Mm. I, I really hate that trope of like, well, no man is good enough for my precious baby daughter sort mm. of thing. It just really like reeks of like ugh, grossness and, mm. you know, the patriarchy, which I hate I just don't like that. And Mm -hmm. also, too, I can tell you that nothing like it's far scarier for a woman to meet a dude's doting mother because she is way (laughs) scarier than a guy than a girl's dad. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) A doting mother of a son is far more insidious.
2: I I, I (laughs) I don't know. We don't have a stereotype about her getting a shotgun, but maybe we should. I mean, (laughs) you know, that's what she wants in her heart.
0: Yeah. So I, I remember being angry at this movie, despite, like, it's not terrible. And, and, and I was reminded yeah. of it recently, because um, SNL stunt casting, they'd cast Ben Stiller as Michael Cohen, Trump's disgraced lawyer. And then, out of the blue, cast Robert De Niro as Robert Mueller and had a lie detector scene as the, that was the cold open. I kind of liked that. And, that and, a- and that's what made me feel old, because I all I remember was bitterness about the movie, and the crowd is going insane with callbacks to would can you would you milk me mr cohen uh mm-hmm. like the crowd is going absolutely nuts so like this <laughs> this clearly made a bigger impact on people who weren't 20 year old me but uh so i don't want to shit all over it it's just like it is not my favorite type of movie to see from two people that i really grew up loving and yeah. and ugh. but it's not bad it's also not bad even slightly yeah.
2: It's not bad. There's a, a couple big laughs for me out mm-hmm. of it, but yeah, it just... There's some great cat sequences. Why, why it feels generic to me, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just like, it does seem so white bread somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just something about it, it never like, it doesn't click with me. It doesn't speak to me There's deep nothing, inside.
3: You know, and I I've never been... Uh, there's just nothing super different or edgy about it. Like, it's just not saying yeah. anything really. And it's, yeah. I don't
0: know, there's still, it's like, do we even want to see films from these people's perspective? Is this relatable? Here's Ben Stiller walking into a room of people making fun of him for being a nurse, yeah. either because that makes him gay or he's not paid enough. Like, what world do you live in? Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: About, yeah. Fuck nursing, you, you fucking snobs. Yeah, like,
0: I, I'm right. so far removed from whatever those stereotypes are, I'm just like, I don't get this at all. Like, if Anybody gave me mild shit for being a male nurse in 2020, I would unload. Be they my <laughs> girlfriend, parents, or not. So, mm-hmm. so I just some of this stuff. I just totally. I don't know, man. Kenny Bunkport horseshit. Like, I, <laughs> doesn't do we all vacation in the upper up in the upstate New York all the time? I I don't know. I, I I got a raw I got a raw vibe from this, and instantly wanted to see a person of color in the movie. Never gave it to me. And mm. <laughs> Uh, but I don't, again, I think it's an okay comedy. I do. Yeah. It's, well,
3: everyone's kind of doing what they do here. I mean, Ben Stiller is like doing his put upon frustrated guy thing. Yeah. And yeah. Robert Nero is doing his like scary intimidating thing.
0: I do want to give it credit for like, th- we are living in a time where like, there's all these words you can't say in polite company. And they got the word "fucker" on a movie poster. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I tip my hat to you, but uh, I, I didn't, I think I saw the second one. Isn't there a third one? Little mm-hmm. Fock, little Fockers. That's what it is. Confusing. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it got real bad and embarrassing. I think that's, I think when trilogies peter out like this, it diminishes the first, but this one's, it's solid enough. I don't know. If you, if you have fond memories of it, you're not going to hate rewatching it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just sort of was like, I can't believe this is what we used to like. <laughs> Yeah. especially, you know, in a week where Tigerland came out and I got to talk about Get Carter's uh, original version. Anyway, you guys want to move on to TV? Yes.
2: Oh, my God. All yeah, right. It's, it's debut so week, huge. everybody. We got Ooh, so, so many, many freaking new shows to talk about.
0: For you, for me, it was the end of one of my favorite series. And it. Yeah. there's a line in it, given by one of my favorite unsung TV characters of all time, the wonderfully named Onyx Blackman, principal of <laughs> Flatpoint High. <Nine." laughs> I say, this, I say this all the time, a lot in text chat when we're panicking over things, but uh, the show literally ends uh, with everyone destroying and burning down and killing everyone.
1: <laughs> Blackpoint forever! Oh! miss
0: <laughs> You It is
1: over! The end of all things! The day of wrath long foretold. The shepherd has been struck! And the sheep shall be scattered.
0: <laughs> that, is, that is the principal of the school running out shirtless. Uh, and uh, I believe they say it in the clip. How much pain can I say it?
1: Turn the school into a strip mall. It's over.
0: The school is turned into a strip mall. And I don't know if it was on purpose. The show was replaced by the Comedy Central show Strip Mall. In, what? Uh, in, in its mm. time slot. Yeah. So I don't know if that was a reference to that, but Stranger with Candy, if we haven't said it before and if you've never seen it, is a fantastic show from two, too old to call them the exit 57 people. Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris, Paul Danilo, uh Mitch Rouse, a really surreal, really funny, like edgy comedy that holds mm-hmm. up very well, very offensive, uh, <laughs> based on a PSA about a, a woman who gets addicted to drugs, drops out of high school, goes to jail, and then goes back to school. I think it's called The Trip Back. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so this is a comedy show about a 40-year-old (laughs) ex-junkie, a sexually (laughs) promiscuous woman going back to high school and moving back in with her stepmother. And it's – I love it. I think it's one of the most perfect shows ever, and it's scrubbed from the entire internet, and that's a shame.
3: It's a huge shame. I absolutely love Strangers with Candy as well. And I have like such – because it is like really goes – Edgy with its humor and like really pushes the envelope, yeah. but is still somehow very kind to its characters too, which I appreciate. Yeah.
0: This, like, there's, there's a scene that opens up with Stephen Colbert pushing around Paul Danello in a wheelchair as they laugh, and then they stop and they turn around like, "God, you're lucky!" And there's a, just a little handicapped kid on the ground looking at them. <laughs> 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 They're the teachers. <laughs> And it has great lines. Anybody who doesn't not want to fail the test, please raise your hand. And you will fail just as you were. Little lines like that, as you requested. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to make your pinky all stinky. I love Strangers with Candy. It is delightfully dark and weird. And for it's like the show that comedy nerds sort of gravitated around. And the last episode is filled with I love it when, when people reveal themselves as comedy nerds. So Janine Garofalo pops up for no reason just because she's like clearly into this shit. Uh, <laughs> Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall and SNL is there. So is Sherry O'Terry, And then Paul Rudd. I think one of his first big comedic performances is there as well as uh, uh, Winona Ryder, who I've never seen do anything like this before. Whoa. Wow. And, has, and uh, she plays Jerry's adversary trying to pull a she's all that on <laughs> middle-aged Jerry Plank. And she has never looked. When all writers never looked cuter, and and Paul Rudd has never been sillier. I. It's really. It's a really good last episode. Mm. Um, moving on to Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, which I constantly use in a punchline because they eventually called it Kevin Sorbo's Andromeda. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just he he got top billing because like he if you if you don't remember like that Hercules show was one of the biggest things to ever happen a syndication. So once that got canceled, mm. like his name was. Whatever. Pretty held, held aloft in the syndicated circuits. Um, freaky so
2: Andromeda went five seasons. Yeah,
0: man. It's disgusting. It, it hurts Never to think it. about.
2: <laughs> no idea what it's about.
0: That's, that's I'm lo- not even going to look it up. Longer than the original Star Trek. Uh, f- freaky Link's debuts with Ethan Embry and Lisa Sheridan, and, and I only remember it from that name, which I think is loosely related to people who fight paranormal crime on the internet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was created by the Blair Witch guys. Oh, this was like their style of like, they can do anything. Oh, no, they can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also out this week, Deadline, starring Dol- Oliver Platt, Bibi Neuwirth, Lily Taylor, and Hope Davis.
2: Uh, this was a show that deserved a better chance, man. That cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yowza. That cast. Uh, it made it half a season, but it's about Oliver Platt is uh, like a professor of journalism and then it's about like all the students and stuff doing investigative journalists to, journalism mm-hmm. stuff to like solve crimes and right wrongs. Mm-hmm. So it's like a cop show, but not about cops. And it was pretty good. I watched a big chunk of it when it got rerun on trio, a bunch of years back when they were doing the like brilliant, but canceled series. And it was like, yeah, the show, if it just, it could have hit, hit its stride had been freaking awesome, but never got a chance. Damn. Yeah,
0: deadline. No. Deadline. Uh, another big debut that I could care less about. I was very bored by the two-hour premiere of Dark Angel, the first show ever from the mind of James Cameron. He claimed he was inspired, but it's not based on Alita Battle Angel, which is a movie he was trying to make, which recently was made by Robert Rodriguez. It's confusing. Huh. There's a lot of the word angel being thrown about, but it did give us <laughs> Jessica Alba. Who for some reason got to be a movie star despite being in a show that was cancelled after two seasons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and and Yeah, but
2: she's like a she's like a enhanced human or part cyborg or Mm -hmm. something. And it's like in the future where uh, America's like a third world country in twenty nineteen. Isn't that Mm -hmm. funny? That couldn't happen. You're silly television. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's I mean, I guess it's sci-fi TV, so that's often hard to pull off yes
0: and it it clearly the the, it it did look expensive and like fox was going to spend the money to bring at this point the person who had brought in the most money at the box office and shit he still had that record up until like 18 months ago and this is another show uh when i criticize our new streaming world like ed has been completely left out i read nothing but charming things about ed and i it is completely inaccessible
3: Oh, I 100% loved Ed, when it, the first season. I was really actually surprised to see it went for four seasons. Mm-hmm. I just really remember the first one. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's a little small town life, mm-hmm. sort of slice of life, quirky characters situation. And I think it was an hour long, too.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um. So it was like kind of the dramedy. But yeah, it was starring Tom Cavanaugh and Julie Bowen and Justin Long and Michael Ian Black and like, just a bunch of people that bounced around for a, a while who you see kind of everywhere now who are all like really just solid, like dramedy day players. Oh yeah.
2: Oh, you know who we have repeating from uh, last segment? Mm-hmm. Mike Starr. Oh yeah. I hope someone hits him in the face with a chair and he's like, Aw. <laughs> wow. Oh,
0: wow. I want to watch Ed wood <laughs> in much more cliched, fucking network fair the district debuts starring uh craig t coach nelson <laughs> uh i love confusing people that lynn Thigpin and justin thoreau i'm guessing that's about cops or yep
2: politics. yep um, it's about cops in dc around four seasons it's exactly what you think it is
0: and i, I feel terrible giving this short shrift because but i don't fucking know i was in my 20s william peterson Dora Fox, I don't know who this other person is. CSI. Marg
2: Helgenberger. (laughs) You're always tripped up by Marg Helgenberger. (laughs) Marg Helgenberger
0: (laughs) Because my kryptonite. It's
2: like the fifth time this has happened. I didn't even know she popped up so often. Uh, CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. One
0: One of the biggest franchises in television history starts now, and I have never seen any of it. Yeah, and I, and I would up. I wouldn't even see a single clip of it until David Caruso starred in CSI Miami, <laughs> and that shit was hilarious for a, yeah. for a little while. And <laughs> I think yeah, this, so OG a-
2: version ran fifteen seasons Ow. plus two spinoffs. Um, and it's interesting to think about like the effect that this has had. Like they call it the CSI effect in legal terms, where people think that there's always going to be forensic evidence. In a trial, and like mm-hmm. they don't get it when there isn't. Like, come on, you should just have some forensic evidence and that'll prove everything. And it's like, they do a lot of whatever science on the show to pick up. Enhance. Epi- mm-hmm. Enhance. Yeah. Enhance. <laughs> enhance.
0: Didn't, didn't Every,
2: they? Everything's got a ton of epithelials and you can get the results back in an hour. What do you an mean? An the,
0: what do you mean the bank robber didn't leave any sperm? <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: but, you know, it was. Yeah, it was a fun show. I like that it's technically not about cops, except they do all of the cop work. Mm -hmm. Like, they're always interrogating people and arresting Uh. them. Like, what? (laughs) No, you're tech guys. Your job is to dust for prints and then leave. (laughs) What do you do? And then yeah, they're constantly, like, violating the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments. There's lots of people like, uh, I want a lawyer. Yeah, just a second. But first, let me ask you this. Like, well, this is all inadmissible. Mm. Yeah. That's, I, I would love, if there are some criminal defense attorneys out there who would like to like blog about every episode of CSI, oh, and show Lord. how many times these suspects would walk because of how much they are breaking the law, I would love that so much. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. I learned science things. And
0: <laughs> it was an immediate sensation, and I know I made a lot of heat, gave it a lot of heat, because I never saw it, but it aired on CBS at, like, fucking 9 o'clock where everybody could see it, and the video game based on it came out and basically gets like an NC-17, just for recreating what's done on a show that every kid can watch for free. You do have to physically swab inside of a condom, so I get it.
1: No. In the game.
0: What do you think they're doing, people? Uh, Saturday Night Live this Saturday, October uh, 2nd through the 8th, is uh, Rob Lowe with musical guest m M&M. m uh, <laughs> we're listing it as Tina Fey's first episode, uh, or as her her debut, and we can update at the very least.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her first on screen
0: debut. No, she was on screen as a lesbian uh, earlier in the season. Um, you mean
3: the episode before? No. <laughs> so- <laughs>
0: She was a she was a she was a writer. So she was a uh, one of the people who asked somebody during a monologue a question. This is this is a oh, couple thirty right. twenty tens ago. Right, um, right, right. But her weekend update de- debut, I think, is big enough alone. I I suggested oh, yeah. for the five hundred time just this week. Like, I really wish Tina Fey was made the host of the Daily Show. I love Trevor Noah, great comedian. I would really like to see what like what an angry Tina Fey would be doing every day right now. Um, yes,
3: you can <laughs> see that. It's called Samantha B.
0: <laughs> i love samantha mm-hmm. b um good point but every day but
3: yes also tina Fey should be more women in late night anyways but mm-hmm. yeah uh this was fun to look at too because the cold open mm-hmm. is a presidential debate between Ooh. al gore and george w bush oh, and it's, a re- it's really oh, great oh, it still boy. holds up we talked about earlier in this up ep- in this uh in, in in 2000 about the news of uh, Slobodan Milosevic they make a lot of hay out of how George W. Bush doesn't know the name of any world leaders and can't pronounce them mm-hmm. Woo. and uh, remember when that was cute? Anyways um, but yes, towards the end of the debate, uh, the cold open coined a term that I still say today Ooh. and I find to be very funny.
0: Well, that brings us to the close of tonight's debate. Each candidate will now give a brief closing statement. Jim, could I make two
1: closing statements? (laughs) I'm afraid not. In fact, we are
0: almost out of time, so I will instead ask each candidate to sum up in a single word the best argument for his candidacy. Governor Bush? Strategery. (laughs) Show me Lockbox.
1: Vice President Gore. Lockbox.
0: Yes. <laughs> Why do I remember this so? Well? I re- partially I remember this so well is because of SNL. And here we sit, recording in between the worst debate I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And yeah, I, I haven't. I know a lot of our listeners hate SNL, but I I need it. I need them to make fun of the horrible thing I just witnessed. <laughs> I need it so badly. I would suck any of your dicks to get a fucking SNL sketch on the debates that just happened. I'll move on. And and the West Wing, uh, wow, the West Wing airs a two-parter. Is this yes. the first one? The first
3: this is the premiere of the second season, yeah. a two-parter in the shadow of two gunmen, part one and part two, which... You know, aired together is is truly one of the best episodes of the entire show. Um, It's in the aftermath of an assassination attempt um, on President Bartlett. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's revealed that he actually was shot. And so they rush him to the hospital. And it's just one of the best pieces of dramatic television ever Mm -hmm. produced and aired, honestly. Like, I I don't know how anyone could fuck with it. It, I know West Wing gets...
0: It's the first depiction of a certain kind of... And Bradley Whitford's character, who is very Mm -hmm. much revealed to be shot, I believe Mm -hmm. at the last season, Mm
1: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a
0: a depiction of post traumatic stress or trauma that I had never seen before. Because he just. Later
3: in the season, it really. Oh, is it not in this episode? I thought it happened.
0: Like, I thought he goes away for a little bit just because, like, he is not dealing well with. I, I was hired to talk and write and be in politics, and now I have a bullet in me mm-hmm. um that is not something i prepared for <laughs> and and yeah. kind of loses his shit and uh I, I re i always remember that about the west wing how cr- when the president's looking at him and it's like is he saying with his eyes don't talk to me that way i'm the president or is he being the calming mm-hmm. oh boy this is real delicate i don't want to go off on <laughs> poor josh right now anyway sorry i yeah, I, I, I i really remember well. this well
3: it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it also goes into flashbacks of how the team gets together, you know, right. because mm-hmm. we come into oh. the West Wing with this wonderful team of geniuses, erudite geniuses already put together. But in this episode, you get to go back and see how they were all gathered um, and, and where they came from previously, which is really fun to watch. And you get to see uh uh CJ Craig fall in a pool. So that's fun. Because um, I love her so much and she's great at physical comedy. Um but yeah, it's just a fantastic episode. It's usually where I start when I do my West Wing rewatch because I don't love the first season so much. Mm-hmm. So huh? yeah.
0: Huh. And you want you want to end that season with uh the president smoking a cigarette while yelling at God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Great scene. Hardcore. Oh man. <laughs> if someone's gonna
3: yell at God, it's gotta be a Catholic
2: <laughs> who are really good at it. Uh that's true but oh wasn't it so funny how the assassins w- were white supremacists oh, that's no. not something that would happen it this kind of remember anymore. when they didn't like well, the president right now. <laughs> yeah mm. I,
0: oh i thought I, had a, <sighs> mm. I
2: you know what i should just throw this out there now homework assignment everyone read up on the 2000 election because by the time we talk about it on this show, the 2020 election will have already, uh, we will pass election day. And you guys need to be prepared for the shenanigans that we are going to see.
0: It's going to be awful. And as someone who grew up in the battleground, uh, yeah. in the shadow of that election for weeks, our whole town was fucked up
2: oh, I bet. because of
0: that. And... Uh, and like, wow, I'm back here again, and that could ha- that could happen literally again. I am so fucking terrified. Yeah.
2: yeah, there's a reason that they're talking about why we need nine Supreme Court justices in case the election goes to them. It's never supposed to go to them, mm-hmm. but it did in 2000, and that's what they think is going to happen again. And it is going to be shenanigans all the way down. And yes. now... Ladies and gentlemen. A cleansing breath. (laughs) Cleanse the palate. And then everyone get out of Sarah's way. Yay! I'm just going to mute my mic and just go. We're talking about the Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Y'all. Y'all. Yeah. So the Gilmore
3: Girls is super important to me and super important to a lot of people of my generation. And this is the first time we get to see, really, Lauren Graham, Alexis Bledel, Melissa McCarthy. Like... Just three powerhouses, basically, now as we know them. Um, But it was such a special show, especially for me because I was the exact same age as uh, Rory is in the show. So I... She starts out the show starts out she's a sophomore in high school i was a sophomore in high school when it, the show started so i mean i really went with her throughout school and this show is pretty revolutionary in a lot of ways that i just feel like people don't really don't really get i mean first of all it's A show by Amy Sherman Palladino, Mm -hmm. who now we all know is also a powerhouse. She writes the uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And before, in between, she did Bunheads, which is also very unsung and very, very good. But this show is kind of known for the amount of witty pop culture references that people (laughs) just were not making on television at this time. It's kind of shocking.
2: I I feel bad because I totally ignored this when it was on. Mm-hmm. Even though every now and then I'd have a friend to be like, "Dude, you would really like Gilmore Girls." Yes. I'm like, "Well, what's it about?" Well, it's about this mom and kid in a small town. Right. And I was like, "Eh, mm-hmm. but is it a wacky small town?" No, not really.
0: Like, I, I I was gonna say, no. sir, I've never heard a great elevator pitch for it, but I've seen a lot of great clips.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just it's just, and it was like on what the CW or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Eh, it sounds like mm-hmm. it's for." I don't know, teenage girls or something. I'm not very interested. And then I started watching it now that's on Amazon Prime, I think, or Netflix. Netflix, um, I believe. And I I started watching it because I freaking love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. And the writing is so sharp. And then mm-hmm. I got about an episode in and I was like, I'm going to take my time with this. Yes. I want to make this last. Even though there's like seven seasons, yeah. there's plenty of it to go around. I know, it's like,
0: I know for an unsung show, it's has seven seasons. I not
2: to binge it. There's I this. don't want to binge it because I don't want I want to savor it. There's as much it's, as
0: this is a, there's the west wing. I
3: yeah. cannot recommend this enough for a watch right now because a mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it's a fall show. It just feels like a fall oh. show. I think it's the small towniness of it. It's in Connecticut. It just feels like a fall show. And it also is kind of the balm that we need for our souls right now because it is very, very sweet and very loving to its characters and the characters are to each other. And it kind of shows a character that we don't really see on TV very often, especially not in 2000, and that is – you know, a nerdy, smart girl who's not, like, an outcast, you know? She's not, yeah. like, totally shunned by her peers or, like, you know. An amateur totally... detective. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that comes later. But um, but she's just, like, a nice girl who's really smart and gifted. And my favorite thing about this show is – so the, the idea of it is that Lauren Graham – Plays Lorelai, who was is a young mother. She had uh, Rory, her daughter, when she was sixteen, and raised her on her own as just the two of them in this very quirky little small town in Connecticut. And they um, kind of just are best friends. And that was one of my favorite things about the show, is because I was and continue to be very, very close to my parents. I've mm. had a great relationship with them when I was a teenager. I know not everybody gets to have that and I felt very lucky I was able to be very close with them and continue to be. And you really just did not see that sort of thing on television very often where right. a relationship between a mother and daughter where they are truly best friends and there's really like none of that teenage Angsty animosity between um, a mother and daughter, which, you know, was very popular at the time. And it really spoke to me as as a young as a young person at this time, because this was the first time I really saw I really saw myself on screen yeah. as someone who was like you know, in more into my books than I was into boys for a really a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just fantastic. And also we get so many great people from this too. I mean, Melissa McCarthy is fantastic. She actually, mm-hmm. she plays Sookie, which is the best friend of Lorelai, the mother. And she actually wasn't tapped for that role. That role was a originally supposed to go to alex borstein who is in the yeah. first like two episodes but apparently her contract with mad tv got picked up and so she wasn't able to continue with the cast but she's great in it and then my favorite part of the show because i mean it, we talk it's called the gilmore girls it's about a mother and a daughter but it's really about three generations of mothers because a huge character in this is Lorelai's mother who's played by kelly bishop who is phenomenal she's actually my favorite character in the show she's basically a prototype of um she's basically like a kinder lucille from (laughs) um, arrested (laughs) development basically (laughs) just as drinky and just as mean but not quite as evil basically and then edward herman who's Hey. so great oh rest in peace i love him so much and they play lorelei's parents and they're so good and so it's but it's really about the relationship between moms and daughters and and in the show the gist of it is basically that lorelei the mother she's dotes on her daughter rory who's very very smart and she gets into this really fancy private school private high school prep school but she, she's a single mom and she's you know runs a inn. And she's not a lot of money so she makes a deal with her parents who are very, very, very rich to um, pay for Rory's schooling, but then in, they have to be part of each other's lives after that. And so it's just fantastic. The writing is phenomenal. Um, so I picked a little clip, basically, that kind really? of shows you – the speed and the tone and and how the like dialogue goes in in this show because i had never heard anything like it when i was this age and also i mean every person that i talk to they're like yeah uh, my dad always makes fun of it because they talk so fast <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so true i mean their scripts i was like the behind the scenes stuff they talk about the scripts are like twice the length of regular hour long tv <laughs> scripts because they have to talk so fast and there's so much dialogue it's kind of shocking to see like people we don't really know as actress actresses at this point handling this level of like fast talking dialogue.
2: It's here, it happened, she did it. Okay, I'm gonna need a little bit longer sentence. <laughs> the Chilton school, Rory got in. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I know, look. Dear Ms. Gilmore, we are happy to inform you that we have a vacancy at Children Preparatory starting immediately. Due to your daughter's excellent credentials and your enthusiastic pursuit of her enrollment, I offered to do the principal to get her in, we would be happy to accept her as soon as the first semester's tuition has been received. This is very exciting. Is something burning? My bangs earlier. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> this is it. She can finally go to Harvard like she's always wanted and get the education that I never got and get to do all the things that I never got to do, and then I can resent her for it, and we can finally have a normal mother-daughter relationship. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just, you think about that mouthful that you have to say. It's kind of shocking.
0: <laughs> I like the burning bangs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: It's great. I mean, later on in the episode, at one point, Suki, played by Melissa McCarthy, they're celebrating at home, and she says, "Where's your pate?" and Lauren Graham says, "I'm Josh Gabor's house." Who (laughs) drops Josh Gabor as a reference on a WB show in 2000? Hmm. (laughs) Amy Sherman Palladino. That's who.
0: And yeah. I can't say enough
3: good things about this. And also we're going to talk about it next week too, because it's another great episode and we get to see the introduction to my all time favorite character on Gilma girls.
0: Okay. Very
3: yeah.
0: I hope it's Sean. Hey. Gunn. I'm just looking at the cast. It is! Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> oh man. And uh, I don't have anything else to say the game. The only game out this week is skies of Arcadia for the dreamcast. Pretty good. We'll talk about it more in depth. Patreon.com slash laser time. Woo. You good on Gilmore Girls, sir? Does that feel feel all right?
2: I'll never start talking about Gilmore Girls, but yeah. for now, yes, I am. I feel like we we need some Carol King on this. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like we do.
0: Is that why we're closing out with uh, "Where You Lead"? Yes, Bye. I was thinking
2: so. I wasn't sure what else to close out with, but yeah, the the song from Gilmore Girls is a nice uh, Carol King jam with I think her daughter co wrote it. Mm. I think you're right. Yeah, because it's Carol King and somebody Goffin, and she was married to a guy named Goffin. So. I'm going to assume, oh, it's more mother-daughter stuff.
0: Man, King Girls. King Girls would have been a much better name for the show. Yeah. (laughs) King Girls. Uh,
2: And they're all wrestlers? Ooh.
0: uh, House of Lawler, let's do it. Um, (laughs) All right, take us out, uh, Carol King. We will see you guys once again in 2010, so stay right there.
2: The ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of october 2nd through a god dang every week i feel like i get lucky and i just have something i just really want to talk about and it seems timely so uh let's start on the movie front 60 years ago this week 1960 saw the release of stanley kubrick oh nominally directed spartacus starring Kirk Douglas, uh, Lawrence Olivier, Gene Simmons, Charles Lawton, Pierre Ustinov, Tony Curtis. Oh my gosh. So if you haven't seen Spartacus, it's the best sword and sandal movie of all time. If you like Braveheart or you like Gladiator, they both rip off Spartacus super fucking hard. And Spartacus is better because they don't need digital effects. They can just go get 30,000 Spanish soldiers and stage a battle for funsies. But it's not just like uh, sword and sandal stuff. It's got a bit of everything. I mean, it's a movie about a slave uprising, so there's a lot of politics that are buried in there, not so subtly, swiping at the blacklist of the 50s. And this movie sort of helped in that period, really, uh, because Kirk Douglas hired Dalton Trumbo, who was blacklisted, to write it, and there are definite allusions to, you know, dictators being, well, if you're not for us, you're against us, and we're going to round up. All of those who are disloyal, because I say they're disloyal. And, uh, you know, a, a small group of rich people at the top being propped up by a vast underclass of people with no control over their lives. Yeah, it's pretty applicable. Uh, and, it, you know, three hours and change. You can do it over two nights. There is an intermission. And, uh, yeah, Spartacus, man, if you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. It's, it's a spectacle, but also entertaining, got something for everyone. Violence, romance, politics, great score. Yeah, Spartacus. And then, 50 years ago this week, I I am lucky that I was not alive in 1970. Because these last two weeks would have just devastated me. Because two weeks ago, we talked about losing Jimi Hendrix, who was 27. And now, two weeks later, we have to talk about losing Janis Joplin, also 27. Don't do heroin! So... Janice Joplin, I got into one of the worst fights of my life with someone over because uh, we were hanging out at my place and I was playing one of my favorite records, Cheap Thrills, the one with the Arkrum cover. And he asked me to change it because he said, quote, that lady can't sing. And I said, what do you mean she can't sing? She's hitting the notes she's aiming for. And there's this the raw power and emotion in her voice. That's what I want in singing. And he said, no, I like someone whose voice is pretty. And... I was so mad at him for his lack of imagination that I damn near punched him in the fucking face. Because, yeah, Janis Joplin doesn't sound like Whitney Houston. She doesn't have a voice that rings like a bell. She has a voice that is so full of emotion, you can't help but feel it, too. So she only put out four albums. Uh, one of them was Posthumous, uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, Cheap Thrills, like I mentioned. I got old Cosmic Blues Again Mama and Pearl. Uh, which came out was what she was working on when she passed away. Plus a couple live albums. Uh, I cannot recommend them enough. I double checked. If you listen to all of her, those four albums, you will still come in an hour under the runtime of Spartacus. So you could do both in a day. <laughs> I mean, you could do what, both after dinner. So please, if you've never listened to Janis Joplin, Pearl or Cheap Thrills, it would probably be my recommendations. Or you could watch her performance at Monterey Pop because you start, you, you get it do you get that there is just a lot of soul in this tiny little white girl and it just has to come out and yeah she's absolutely one of my favorite performers and was just a fascinating person who um never really got she never lived up to her potential i'm mad about it It, her and Jimi hendrix both it's like it's like heath ledger or or chadwick boseman where it's like we just got a taste of what you could do and then you're fucking gone and it makes me mad so yeah, I'm going to go uh, put on my headphones and scream along to uh, get it while you can, I suppose, or peace of my heart, something like that. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
1: When I see your-
0: Coming in with uh, Bruno Mars, Just the Way You Are. It is number one this week. And the album, it's off. "Do wops and hooligans is out. Hey, that's our word, Bruno. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, it was
2: a monster. That album was a
0: huge. Yeah, huge I, I find it astonishing. Hey,
2: if I can get called a shmata, <laughs> I'm going to call you a doo-wops or a hooligan. Doo-wops. Uh,
0: I, I, I associate this. This is the era of music where I was exposed to new music exclusively in Targets. And I I, <laughs> I I can't believe this is 10 years old. That feels very strange to me. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, Bruno yeah. Mars, 10 years old. Well,
2: Fun album, though, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, A uh,
2: lot of motown stuff in there. It makes me happy.
0: Uh, also out this week, uh, October 2nd through the 8th. We're in 2010, everyone. Bruno Mars should have let you in on that. Uh, there is a Hell by Bring Me the, Bring me the Horizon. Uh, Lumen Audio by uh, uh The Other Side of Down by David... Archuleta, Fight or Flight by Emily Osmet. Something About Faith by Faith Evans, Easy Wonderful by Guster, AB2 by Alter Bridge, and a Life Turns Electric by Finger Eleven. Oh, that's a lot of bands I checked out of rock music for. So <laughs> uh, welcome to 2010, everyone. A little bit of news to remind you. <laughs> oh, wow, I wrote this weeks ago. Uh, Nobel Peace Prize, Lu, Lu Zhao? Zhao? Um, Lu Xiaobo Lu Xiaobo for uh, human rights in China
2: Yeah, he was uh, under arrest at the time So I think that's part of why I mean, he was campaigning against one party communist rule And, you know, expanded democracy and human rights in China And, of course, they put him in jail And he was in jail for almost the rest of his life Okay Yeah, but that's that's part of why they picked him in particular Because he was facing a trial for, like, sedition and subverting the government
0: God damn, he didn't get to enjoy that million dollars yeah um and uh acc, ladies Kathy is over after 24 years the long-running no. syndicated comic strip chocolate
2: chocolate chocolate uh, I'm gonna eat ice cream with my dog
0: oh my God why I mean, am I forgetting her, her boyfriend's good, name though. Edgar what's this uh I read mm. it was a comic strip so I read it every day for years and okay. my mom's generation had it was their Garfield like they yep. Kathy the comic strip um
3: and now it's Memorialized as a kind of lewd illustration in uh, Islands of Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, there's like Toon this... Lagoon. Yeah, Toon Lagoon. You, I think you're even on a laser time where you talked about that for way too long with your husband. <laughs> Probably uh, Toon Lagoon. Um, I mean Diana. because mm-hmm. Michael and I love comic strips, and there's still there's still this immaculate area in Orlando that's like guys. Let's build a thirty-foot statue to Beetle Bailey because <laughs> because it's 1942 for some reason. Yeah. it's it's all still it's, there.
3: It's shocking and kind of amazing. Yeah, because- sandwiched in between like Marvel World, yeah. X Men World, whatever I don't really know what to call it at this point, and Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, there's like do. a place
3: where you can like see Beetle Bailey and Dagwood. A, a
0: life-size monolith to all the comic dogs, including the dog from Marvin. It's it's astonishing okay. the work that's been put into this obscurity that I, as comic strip's biggest fan, barely recognize. Um, we, again, we did a whole so, show about that, trying to find comic strip adaptations. I was talking about that with my girlfriend. They were, you know, before tweets, they were sort of tweets. A statement would be made that we all could relate to, and you would share that around. They
3: were memes. Yeah, you'd post it on your bulletin
0: board or Xerox a copy of it, and yeah. One of my
3: favorite things to this day that I still think about and laugh sometimes is cow tools from the far
1: side.
2: (laughs) Do you I have, love you, it so much? i I just we were just moving bookshelves and stuff, and I found a couple of my far side books. and I remember the prehistory of the far side him writing about how that was controversial yes. because people couldn't figure out what the tools were. <laughs> therefore they must be sex toys. <laughs>
0: yeah, my sister just but, has just dropped off a bunch of old books that she stole from me, and i I didn't even remember this. It's just a far side book called wiener dog art
1: where a <laughs> yeah, guy is yeah. throwing
0: paint soaked dachshunds at a camp. <laughs> yes.
3: like,
0: what a great name.
3: All but my is- Farside books from my childhood are like water,
2: like warped by water because yeah. I used to read them in the bathtub. <laughs> oh man. Like- I would drop so, them. Is Kathy though. Can we call her a feminist icon? Because I feel like that might be the first single woman who had her own strip. I'm, I'm willing to family
0: as a massive comic strip fan. That was one of the first breakthrough comedy based woman uh, woman written uh, soul creator comic that there ever was, and it was a huge breakaway hit because the industry had never seen anything like it. There's she yeah, uh, so
2: like I, I'm trying to think of other women who are like the title character, but it's like Blondie, but that's a that's, that's a family and written by yeah. dudes,
0: and, yeah. and, and and you have Lynn Johnson for better or for worse, but like that that didn't that's about a family. And yeah. d- didn't quite take off in the same way Kathy did. And her creator seems super cool. She appears in like every documentary I love about comic strips. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not ai am not anti Kathy, even though I I, I I associate it with my mother so much because that's she looked just like her when Kathy was super popular. <laughs> uh, wow. So somehow I'm going to have to wrestle us out of comic strips in 2010. <laughs> uh, well, and, uh, we
2: have a ton of movies and we're going to blow through a bunch of them.
0: Yeah. Um, real fast. Uh, the Social Network number one uh, on October 2nd to the 8th. We also have a movie, yeah, Jack Boots on Whitehall with a lot of people in it for a movie I've never heard of.
2: Okay, this was a find. Again, with the Brits being weirder than we can imagine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let me run through this cast. Ewan McGregor, Osmond Pike, Alan Cumming, Timothy Spall, Tom Wilkinson, Pam Ferris, Richard Griffiths, RIP. Uh, Richard E. Grant going coast to coast this week. Dominic. West and Stephen Merchant. This is a movie about what if the Nazis invaded Britain during World War II and then they had to fight them off, but it's done with puppets. Wow. Not really puppets, but more like action figures. My guess is it's sort of tapping into like a nostalgia for Thunderbirds Argo mm-hmm. because that was more popular over there. Much bigger. But imagine like a really fancy robot chicken. Wow
0: i've never it's heard of this
2: fucking odd and hmm. at first i was like oh is this for kids and I, was like, I don't think it is because there was like some swearing and stuff so i'm just baffled by the whole thing it is on amazon prime so you can watch it uh i was kind of dumbfounded but it's different
0: yeah uh, uh, okay revisionist team america from england yes uh,
2: so yes it's a world war ii team america wow but like serious
0: This is incredible. I'm actually putting this on my list to watch uh, later on.
2: It's worth at least watching some of it because it's so different. And I always endorse different, even if I don't like it. At least they're doing something.
0: Um, And since I brought up every segment, we have a bad remake. Um, Mm. You don't get much worse than remaking I Spit in Your Grave and shame on everyone who is in this. And this is a... (laughs) It's just so fucking cynical to remake this film it is a notorious film it's not a good film and you're capitalizing on the title and i don't know i've seen i spit in your grave the original more times than i'd care to admit i love that roger ebert was alive to give both of them a zero uh (laughs) it is there's something at least like mildly defendable in the original but to like remake it in 2010 is just senseless let alone create a new Mm. trilogy out of it which they did and oh, again, God. for for almost no other reason to capitalize on its name, and this this has, this should, if you don't know, should have trigger warnings out the fucking ass. And I even my warning should have had a trigger warning, and yeah. <laughs> but just like
2: the, the only reason I would remake "I Spit on Your Grave," which is a rape revenge film. Mm-hmm. From that that's a subgenre just like like last house on the left or miss 45 the only reason i can see to remake it is to not have such a prolonged rape scene that people might actually get turned on by if yes. they're messed up like that's my problem with the original is it's porn the rape sequences go on a really long time and you feel like it's very exploitative and like they're trying to titillate you mm-hmm. and it's super gross and then when she starts Going on the revenge part, then it's fucking rad, and I'm yes. I'm in.
0: It's hmm. it's why I don't want to throw it in the dustbin of history because like the revenge part is kind of gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, Girls trolling around the deep swamp on a boat, killing fucking rednecks. It's nothing hmm. nothing yeah. uncool about Cut, that.
2: Cutting their dicks off and locking mm. them in a the bathroom till they bleed out. Mm-hmm. That's how you do, girl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, yeah.
0: You really wouldn't be Sarah. Stay away from this. No, I don't. Think and, it's and if for you didn't hear on an earlier podcast, this this reached national status in our in my hometown and yes. Lamont you've heard on the, like her sophomore history teacher showed this to the class what? And, in yes, class, in yes. class. What? And, and I had I had it's it's such a it's such an urban legend in town we talked about it several times on our podcast Kevin managed he has in his possession the copy of the tape that was shown into a high school classroom where women ran out of the room screaming uh and the teacher was let go, obviously. And oh, my God.
2: This was literally banned in the UK yes. until like a couple of
0: years ago. I, wow. I don't even remember because Lamont was there and I never asked her her side of the story because I always thought the story was like the kids got to pick the film that they did a thing correctly. And that was the film they picked. And she's like, no, this was shown, <laughs> this was shown to us uh, without a choice. And what? Wow! So, like, sorry, I spit in your grave is a notorious film. There's no fucking reason to remake it, um, and it, it got reviewed exactly the same way. And I think is it, it, if anything is a little damaging for the careers of the people involved, whose names I don't know. But it's like this is much more competently made than the original. It's not low budget. Yeah. It's yeah. it's. But why? Why would you do this? It's just a cynical cash grab for you know fans of Schlock and. It's not a story that needs to be told again.
3: The only actor that I recognize in this is uh, Daniel Frizzi. See, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but and he was in Mean Girls. He plays um, the gay best friend, Damian Lee. But that's the only name that I recognize. Uh,
0: it's, it's really hard for me to say fuck this movie, but I Spit in your grave, man, I get, I really want, to, for the remake, especially fuck this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a funny story is <laughs> out as I, I Spit in your grave counter programming with Keir Gilcrest, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Emma Roberts, and Viola Davis. Um, uh,
2: yeah, it's, uh, we, we've got ourselves a mental hospital comedy. Love story? Yes. Yeah. Dramedy type. Yeah. Coming of I, age film. Mm-hmm. I watched this. It was good. I I didn't hate it. Yeah. That's every every review is sort of like it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's quirky, you know. It could be better. It could be a lot worse. The it's main fine. the main
3: thing I remember from this actually is that the trailer of course had I want to say dog
2: days are over by um, uh Florence and the Machine. Florence and the
0: Machine. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, um
2: it's kind of, kind of a funny story i mean i know we're blown through so many of these yeah uh because the show is really long sweet so, so much to talk about in the previous segment so yeah if you want to endorse or yell about any of these please put it in the comments
0: and these all suck uh my soul to take uh nick lashway uh max the and another human being named denzel denzel Whitaker. Did we combine yeah. Denzel Washington force Whitaker through science what? and I didn't hear oh. about this? Ooh. Oh. Yes. Do it. It's like Denzel it. with one weird eye. Um <laughs> T- Tamara True is also out this week. Uh,
2: actually, my soul to take is a West Craven joint that like nobody liked. Oh, no shit. Mm. Nobody liked I think it's got like an eight on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it yeah. got savage. And I'm like, oh, Wes, come on, man.
0: Yeah, everyone's like, music of the heart or get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Tamara Drew, uh, Gemma, uh, sorry, Gemma Arterton and yeah. Dominic Gemma, Cooper.
2: Yep, Gemma Ar- Arterton and Dominic Cooper. Um, I weirdly, it, this is a comic adaptation. Of it, what? Of... <laughs> of, of tomorrow drew and Tamara it's drew. about Thanks. it's one of those like quirky little british small town comedies where it's like hmm. it's at this quirky little small town where like there's a writer's retreat and all these frustrated writers are trying to do stuff and then you know this girl who was sort of like ugly and gawky like got her nose fixed and she's back and now everyone's drooling over her it's wacky hmm. and I get, like really good reviews on this one though but it was like I, I've seen this movie like a million times, but it is directed by Stephen Frears, who is like one of my favorite underrated directors. Um, he did Philomena. He did Ooh. Andrew's Liaisons. He's, he's all over the place. And so it's like, I didn't get around to this. And now I sort of want to, because quirky British countryside sounds so relaxing right now. Love it. <laughs> Throw that on with the little Midsummer Murders and you have an evening.
3: Oh yeah.
0: Oh, good Lord. And the next movie Mm. Sequel to Sea Biscuit. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! What world do we live in? We're glorifying this. Uh, Nelson Ellis, Nestor Serrano, Margot Martindale, James Cromwell, Dylan Baker, Kevin Connolly, Scott Glenn. John Malkovich, uh, Dylan Walsh, and Tyanne Lane, Secretariat. And this one does. And she was determined to change history. You're guaranteeing that this horse is going to win the Triple Crown. Hasn't been done in 25 years. You're that stubborn. I'm that right. From Disney comes the impossible true story of one of the greatest athletes of all time. This is about life being ahead of you and you run at it. Secretariat. Rated PG. Uh. Ugh. remember what I said last week with remember Titans this fucking horrible genre that Disney had cornered of two sl-
3: Dylans in this movie
0: <laughs> schmaltzy <laughs> fucking sports movies and I don't want to see a fucking movie about a racehorse that isn't animated Never. I, don't give, I don't give a fuck about any of the humans perspectives
3: I don't um, give a f- I don't fuck with horse movies generally It's just not my
2: thing and I mm. especially don't like movies where animals are used for sport so not uh, my can we all appreciate, though, that BoJack Horseman is about making him wanting to make a Secretariat movie because, in their world, Secretariat is yes. you know the greatest running horse, yeah. and it co-stars Margot Martindale, the the character actress Margo Martindale. I do love her.
0: Oh, this is so. Uh, so I was
2: I was <laughs> watching, watching this it, er- escaped convict Margo Martindale. <laughs> what? Remember, she's like, she's like a bank robber. So she goes nuts on on BoJack Horseman. And then she's like on the run from the law. And then she like joins a convent. And Margot Martindale is a fucking treasure. I love her so much.
3: (laughs) I was watching this earlier today and Sam walked in and he was like, oh, man, is that Dylan Walsh? I was like, yes. And then he's, you know, he's the John Corbett of Paul Rudd's. (laughs) I was like. That is the most
2: wild and true thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I don't care. I'm sure they fudge a lot of history and they make it heartwarming. I love Diane Lane and I love her dressed in uh, period attire, but I don't care. Yeah, I won't do it. You can't make me.
3: I don't love that Diane Lane is like one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood and they really dowdy her up a lot in this movie. I'm like, come on. If you're going to give me a Diane Lane film and if she's not getting like fucked in a hallway by like a beautiful man, (laughs) at least don't give her like a fucking Nancy Reagan haircut the whole time. (laughs) Unfaithful reference for the win. Yeah. But John Malkovich is a damn delight. Mm. He's really good in this.
0: Um, And and finally this week um, The one you've all been waiting for Josh Uh, Lucas, Christina Hendricks Josh Duhamel And Catherine Heigl (laughs) Life as we know it
2: you're both single, living under the same roof, raising recently orphaned child. You're not sleeping together.
0: Oh, God, no, We will not be complicating anything with that. Yeah. We need to figure out a schedule. That's my night off. Oh. Some chick
1: says, I'm oh, messy. You can forget the condom. And I say no, and I still end up
2: with the kid. <laughs>
3: services. i <laughs> just kidding. Are you okay?
2: They're all made of rubber. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it's like oh. Slumdog. Right no, now. <laughs> Oh, what? Sweetie, you have poo on your face. Life as we know it. Hey.
0: hey, that's a little Melissa McCarthy appearance. Uh, hey. Two segments of thirty, twenty, ten. Life as we know it. So is this is uh, the story of Godparents, which is, a, mm-hmm. by the way, a better title. I haven't really yeah. seen
2: Yes. I haven't seen it. Mo-
0: what movie have we talked about could you not, with more than one person, could you not call life as we know it? You- Amen. <laughs> so-
2: I was thinking about that when we were talking about social network. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention it back then. When, after we talked about The American and you were mm-hmm. like, what movie can't be called The American? <laughs> and I started thinking about the social network and I started wanting to call it Men Without Women. <laughs> and then I realized most movies can be called that. Too.
0: Yeah, you could call it uh, Miller's Crossing that word. too. That's why they're yep, fighting so hard. <laughs> One woman. Uh, but yeah. That, so
2: what? They're wacky step parents.
0: That's an interesting story, though. I don't even know. Like, I've always wondered if that's legally enforceable. Like, godparents? Like, no. I have. And to the take story it-
3: is is that like they. I mean, godparents is different from like legal guardians. Yeah. And, but I mean, I, I watched this I think a couple years ago because it was like on HBO or something like this. Mm-hmm. It's eh. dreadful, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like they are. She's uptight because she's Katherine Heigl. Mm. That's the character she always plays. And then he's wacky and fun and drinks beer, I guess. And uh, their friends die. And so they have to adopt their children and then fall in love.
0: Oh, oh yeah. man, Spoiler. I never yeah. would have expected that to come about. Um,
3: yeah. Two really hot people living in
2: the same house. <laughs> so weird yeah. that they don't fuck. Uh, I I expect more from Greg Berlanti who directed this because mm-hmm. he's done mostly he does TV stuff is it uh Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Riverdale oh. and oh. uh Arrow Riverdale. and all uh, Arrowverse he produces all those and he directed Love Simon which is like one of my favorite movies from 2018. Okay. Oh. That was such a surprise. It was one of those like random things that just comes on and I'm like, "Oh, it's got pretty good reviews and then at the end of it I'm like, "God damn it, I want everyone to watch this now." That mm-hmm. was charming AF.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm down with the kids, can't you tell?
0: I, yeah, I heard of you. Of course. Yes, you're yeah. a real kids stan, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yo. Um, so moving into 2010, uh, what is RHOA?
3: Real Housewives of Atlanta oh. premieres oh, season two, and this is Candy's debut. So this is, I feel like, really when Real Housewives of Atlanta is
0: is, is, that as, the, is that the woman who points or the cat? I, <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay, neither. That's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> We're paying the price. But um, The cat is yeah. smush.
0: I know this, people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but Real Housewives of Atlanta, probably the best Real Housewives franchise, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This is probably... This is when it gets much better. Season one's a little... But when Candy comes in, Candy Barres is one of my favorite Real Housewives. Also famously, not a housewife. Probably the richest housewife, I think, in any of the... iterations she is she was a performer with the r&b girl band escape and is a extremely prolific songwriter she wrote no scrubs she's she wrote bills 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 she wrote bugaboo she wrote broke up break up with your girlfriend i'm bored for ariana ariana grande she's written for basically every great pop or r&b act that has happened in the past 20 years boys to men faith evans destiny's child um tlc of course um fantasia oh, boy. boy i said boys to men already bahamut <laughs> pink mia wow. she's in sync she- alicia keys she's pretty astounding um she co-wrote shape of you by ed sheeran
0: Whoa. she
3: wrote co-wrote with whitney houston she's a legit amazing woman and she's fantastic on real housewives she's basically parlayed her fame into like this other reality show like Avenue and it's it's amazing so anyways <laughs> I if you're into real housewives you want to get into real housewives I recommend starting with season two because candy is a treasure
0: man hmm. uh and and Sarah highlighted or did you highlight the episode of community yes so i I went to watch it and and it's like I missed the very thing (laughs) you noted was this this episode of community is famous for the psychology of letting go uh there is a storyline to it but it is most famous because abed has a c storyline that is very typical sitcom but occurs out of focus in the background (laughs) And, (laughs) and and i it totally slipped me by like casually watching it with my phone and then i remembered oh yeah you can like see him become friends with these people introduce them they fall in love and then he eventually delivers their baby. <laughs> it, it, all happ- it all happens without being miked <laughs> it's, I So I, I grabbed the clip I did. Like, I love it when John Oliver shows up on the show as Professor Duncan. Oh, uh, right. Subbing in for this, uh, I don't know, humanities class.
2: Oh, well, because Betty White tried right. to kill someone. Right. So she's got to go.
0: So, yes, this is the uh, professor of the dark arts uh, <laughs> complex and community. <laughs> uh, John Oliver showing up to teach a class he doesn't know anything about. Where did we get to yesterday? We were talking about humanity, which starts with birth and ends with death. True. All life ends in death, which we, as a species, are cursed with knowing, resulting in something. <laughs> again, this is really not my field. <laughs> he just writes something on the board. I don't know. <laughs> Love by Professor Duncan. Please watch Community people's on Netflix, so most of the world has access to it right now. Sarah Books of twenty ten, October second to the eighth. My my, um, man, I love this adaptation.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I wanted to highlight that room by Anna Donahue. Anna, excuse me, Emma Donahue on the New York Times uh, bestseller list debuts today.
0: Mm. That this was week. that's one of my favorite Oscar nominations in a while. Like, yeah, th- that I watched as a chore for our Oscar show and was just like, fuck. I'm God watching man. way too many Marvel movies. This fantastic. movie rules,
3: fantastic, and the book is absolutely fantastic as well. I highly recommend it, even if you've seen the movie. Obviously, the book like gives it another layer. Um, and if you're not familiar, it's basically the story of a woman and her son who have been held captive for many years by a evil man, and is basically an underground yeah. underground bunker. And the story. The novel is told from the point of view of the five-year her five-year-old son who's with her huh. in the bunker. Right. So he's never been outside because he was born yes. there. Who's right. never been outside? Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. I highly recommend it. I don't know if it's a great thing be- right now because you know someone being held captive in their home for a long period of time, a period of years. I don't know that mm-hmm. might be triggering for people right now. Mm-hmm. There's also um, you know content warnings for. Um, Sexual assault, certainly in this book, but it is absolutely phenomenal and I absolutely recommend it. Word. Oh.
0: Word. And I encourage people to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Time, supporting the whole laser time network for the game segment. Because there were not a lot of games the first two segment, and this shit got crazy, and there's so much to talk about. One of the Nintendo Ooh. Wii's bestsellers, that's right, everyone's favorite, Wii Party, is out this week. <laughs> Nintendo, caving to its own imitators. Pokemon Ranger, Guardian Signs, uh, and Shantae Risky's Revenge are out on DS. Castlevania Lords of Shadow is out this week. The Resurrection of Castlevania, one of my favorite franchises ever. Diana, Deadliest Warrior, the game, is out this week. (laughs) And Michael said it was hilarious, and I believed. I think he had a story on the other, the previous show how he had to pursue the developer, like, please give me a copy of this game. <laughs> I would like to review it. Fine, I'll go buy my own. Uh, one of my favorite games of this period, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, a weird Western post-apocalyptic retelling of the Journey to the West um, Asian Ooh. story. But um, the first, I want to say one of the first multi-platform games to really embrace motion capture and Andy Circus plays everyone in the film wow. in the game including himself cool. and it's it's just got so many beautiful random twitches to it uh, with super close ups on detailed faces and of all the games Ninja Theory Made, this one gets has been re-released the most, so I encourage people to track that down, I really liked it, uh, NBA 2K11 is out, as is the resurrection of NBA Jam from EA, that is one of the games I was most looking forward to and I've never taken out of the cellophane, Sonic 4 Episode 1 <laughs> uh, is out this week, you've heard me laugh about this a little bit just because it's one of the most famous unfinished things that no one is asking that they finish, The four episode (laughs) saga sold out at episode two and everyone has been quiet about it and I find that hilarious. And then finally, Kingdom Hearts Re, colon, Coded, is out for DS. I believe that is a remake of a very early mobile phone game in Japan. But we finally get to play it. And I want to thank our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. And once again, our executive producer for this episode, the Eric Carlson. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. And we encourage you to drop us $5 or more or less or ignore me. But don't you're gonna to want to hear the birthday, the birthday quiz because I have been on a row. But yeah, patreon.com slash Die, where can people find you at?
2: They can find me on Twitter at listening nerd, l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show at 302010 podcast 02010 Podcast. And what's coming up next week? Next week we have the best worst movie of all time. Mm. Roll
0: two? that's just what they called their documentary
2: i think it's the best first movie
0: oh is it really I, is that no way uh,
2: come on it's one of my favorite bad movies like I, it has everything a bad movie should have
0: i i'm in and it, it, it being I, uh,
2: inexplicable
0: i can play you not
2: not pissing on hospitality
0: <laughs> don't piss on hospitality i can uh i can play one of my favorite clips on the internet ever and not feel bad about it good and, and uh oh, so ooh. happy. Oh boy. Who who be dead during this?
2: Uh this week we only lost one guy but uh, it sucks. In 2000 we lost Richard Farnsworth who was 80.
0: Bad but, news everyone.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> No, now nothing. you don't know that name, but you probably know the face he was an actor and stunt man going way back to the fifties wow. uh he had terminal cancer and and took his own life we uh, Chris and I would not shut up about how great the street story is yeah that 's his last film and God damn that movie is great
0: yeah it's really good and this it's such a strange performance uh yeah because i don't, part of it is how sick Richard looks uh
2: yeah.
0: and old and it it's it's inc- what an incredible film. But with that out of the way, we got to figure out who was born during this period of 30 20 10. Boom! Birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a
1: doodly-doo, a ding-dong, doodly doodly ding-dong, doodly
2: birthday. So this one's tough. Really, how I present it has been a challenge. So I'm going to give you some information, and then I'll ask you which way you want to go with this. So, turning 50 this week. Okay. Born October eighth, nineteen seventy, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Like so many people we've had, his parents divorced when he was a baby. But mom was super strict about education, so uh, he had to work really hard. And he got into Harvard. And yes, he was in a final club.
0: Um. Okay, you can keep, keep going.
2: Okay, he made his film debut while he was in college. He has one line in Mystic Pizza.
0: Damn it! So it's...
2: and then he was an act. He was an extra in The Good Mother and Field of Dreams.
0: What the fuck? Really?
2: Edward Norton. Yeah. No fair guess, though. Fair guess. Did he go to H- so, is he a Harvard man? He's a ho- I don't know if he's a Harvard man. Seriously, so we've there, so. we've talked about fifteen of his films. Wow. And I wow. feel like a lot of them will be giveaways. So here's the direction we can go. Do you want to hear the names of the characters from those fifteen films, or do you want to hear about the six movies of his from 2000 and 2010 that we will be talking about before the end of the year?
0: I think I want to try character names.
2: Alright. Sarah, That's what do you fine. think? All right. Specialist Ilario, Rudy Baylor, and Mike McDermott.
0: Uh nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah, there are gonna be some a lot of Irish names in here, by the way. Uh how about mm. Kale, Edward Wilson, and Linus Caldwell.
0: It's not Conan O'Brien. Kale. Is it?
2: Mark Whitaker, Sean Oren, Francois Piniar. Um I think I said that wrong. Fuck.
0: I feel like I'm close here. uh I don't got don't got.
2: Colin Sullivan. Loki.
0: Tom Hiddleston? No.
2: James Ryan. Oh, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Tom Ripley. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah.
0: Matt Damon is is fifty.
2: He is fifty. Fifty
0: years yep. old
2: man. Uh, you got it. Thank you for getting it before I got to Will Hunting or Jason Bourne. I would have
0: <laughs> I mean, I was going. I was. I was going for Ben Affleck the whole time because it all sounded like fucking uh, town. Close. The town names.
3: Yep. Sorry, I yelled Jake Gyllenhaal in everyone's ears, but he did play a character <laughs> named Loki
2: in. Um,
0: Prisoners. Oh, because he played Loki in Thor Ragnarok.
2: No, No? because he played Loki in Dogma. (laughs) Dogma,
0: that's right. right. Ah, Ah.
2: See, I thought that would give it to you, man. Uh, Obviously, obviously James Ryan, I had to take off his rank because that would make it too easy. Those were his characters from Courage Under Fire, The Rainmaker, Rounders, Titan AE, The Good Shepherd, Ocean's 13, The Informant, Chasing Amy, Invictus, The Departed, Dogma, Saving Private Ryan, Talented Mr. Ripley, Goodwill Hunting, and The Bourne Ultimatum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have six movies still coming for 2000 and 2010. Hereafter, wow. Finding Forrester, All the Pretty Horses, True Grit, Legend of Bangor Vance, and Green Zone. And if you are mad at Matt Damon because he is so talented and so successful, you should know his middle name is Paige.
0: What?
2: <laughs> Does that make you feel better? It kind of yeah, makes you feel so. better.
0: And uh, what's, what's the significance behind the closer you chose, Die? Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter by Iron Maiden.
2: Well, it's off No Prayer for the Dying, which turns 30 this week. And. It's a hilarious title, and it's actually a pretty good
0: song. It's a pretty good song, and I, I, I have a little trivia for it. Um, we, every Halloween, up until this one, would do um, a horror theme show called The Elm Street Nightmare with my friend Lizzie um, and Dave. And we've done Nightmare on Elm Street and half of Child's Play, but all of Friday the 13th. And this song was written by Bruce Dickinson, recorded solo for Nightmare on Elm Street 5, the dream <laughs> child, or, or the abortion movie. And... Oh. Weirdly I when when Bruce Dickinson was out of the band and when they got back together they decided they liked the song so much they re-recorded it as a band to make it an Iron Maiden song. Officially and I'm guessing it comes on this album No Prayer for the Dying. I remember I know it as a Nightmare on Elm Street 5 song weird well but-
3: it's really important to bring your daughter to the slaughter because i mean we really need to boost up young women's ideas of their mur- the murdering that they can do i mean for so long women have been told like you can't murder as well as the boys but if you bring your daughter to the slaughter you can really show her yes
2: you can murder as good as the boys oh, can you so you're saying it's, it's it's like bring your daughter to slaughter day yes
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> Can you imagine being kicked out of your metal band and coming up with a rhyme that fucking tight and not writing a song about it? Come on. Fuck! You... Oh my god, daughter rhymes with slaughter. Why is... Dio hasn't done anything with this? But not
3: oh.
1: laughter, so what's
3: up with that? <laughs> English language.
0: Goddamn English language. Um, we'll try and figure it out by the next week. Uh, tune in next week. Tell a friend about the show, patreon.com slash later time. Take us out, Iron Maiden. Bring your
1: daughter!